Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Of the FBI, the reason I point that out is a massive investigation that is taking place in San Francisco involving the home in Pacific Heights, a very she-she upscale location if you've ever been in that area, of the attack that took place against Nancy Pelosi's uh, husband, 82 years old, by... Uh, I guess a guy named David the Papa, whatever the hell his name is. Anyway, uh, as a result of uh, this attack with a hammer, Mr. Pelosi, 82, suffered a skull fracture, had surgery. He is recovering. Uh, apparently may have fractured or broken his right arm also. And... Uh, it all uh, unfolded in a very bizarre way for a home invasion. Apparently, the guy gained uh, entrance through a sliding side glass door. And then uh, when the attacker was in the home, Nancy Pelosi was in Washington, obviously uh, her husband there in the house in Pacific Heights. Uh, he somehow went off to use the bathroom and made a 911 call and left the phone on. The dispatcher could hear Paul Pelosi talk to the attacker and alerted the San Francisco PD to the scene. And uh, the motive? We still don't know. Apparently when the cops arrived, both of the guys were standing outside holding the hammer. When the San Francisco police moved in, then the uh, guy David took the hammer and began to uh, flail away. At Mr. Uh, Paul Pelosi. And uh, he claimed when he was inside that he was waiting for Nancy. Waiting for Nancy. 
Now, previously, there have been demonstrations outside their house on different occasions. Uh, sometimes their house has been tagged up with the black ape for anarchy. There's been a severed pig's head that has been left on a fence outside at a different time uh, in a different uh, year. But um, it is interesting how immediately I was listening to Rita Cosby. The Democrats are blaming the attack on this hyper uh, partisanship that has affected the lead up to the midterm elections 11 days away and the divisive political uh, tone uh, that they claim is toxic. And their words have consequences. And they seem to be alluding to January 6th, Donald Trump, and everything that has come down the uh, political pipe of Republicans. Republicans, uh, on the other hand, are basically saying, well, this is just an example of the rampant crime that is taking place all over this country, but especially in San Francisco County and the city of San Francisco, where home invasions take place on a regular uh, basis. People are assaulted in the streets. They're assaulted when they take uh, the BART, which is their um, fabulous uh, modern subway system, when people take the uh, buses there. I mean, it's at a point where violence is everywhere in the city of San Francisco. Many of the companies have decided to move out. Uh, They've moved out across over into the East Bay, into San Jose, or they've moved to Texas uh, or other parts uh, in the South. But it is systemic. I mean, look uh, what's happening in Los Angeles. Los Angeles has a mayoral uh, race taking place. It's a nonpartisan race. Karen Bass is the congresswoman who is running against a billionaire. Basically, it's down to two. Everybody knows their party affiliations, but it is considered a nonpartisan election. That's how Reardon got elected right after Rudy Giuliani years ago. Uh, almost a copycat of Bloomberg. He was a billionaire himself, Reardon, ran uh, as uh, an independent in the nonpartisan uh, election, although he had uh, always been a lifelong Republican. And Los Angeles was in much better condition, as New York City was in much better condition under the 20 years of Rudy Giuliani, Michael Bloomberg for 12, and George Pataki, 12 years as Republican governor of the state of New York. But Karen Bass, the congresswoman in L.A. who's favored to win the uh, mayoral election, had her home broken into and two guns of hers stolen from a safe. So I want to go right to the phones. Find out from all of you, because we really don't know many of the details. It's scant details that are coming out. My mind, this guy's just a Fruit Loop trooper. He's a nut job. He's a lone wolf. I don't see him involved with any particular organizations or groups. Hey, look, I mean, it may turn out that I'm wrong, uh, but from what I've read so far, it just appears that this guy's a Fruit Loop trooper. He's a crackpot, a nut job. And maybe should have been taking his meds. Now, does he have a political ideology? Well, we, we will soon see. Because in my readings and following up on uh, what he's done during his life and times, he seems to be all over the map. All over the map. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. For instance, <coughs> he was born in British Columbia in Canada. Then about 20 years ago, he came to the Bay Area. He settled in Berserkley, better known as Berkeley. 
any of you who've ever been to the campus of UCAL Berkeley, you know, that's where Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers made his bones in football before he was drafted by the Green Bay Packers. If you ever go up Telegraph Hill, I've been up there many times, you've got all kinds of burned-out hippies on one side. you got people begging on the other side. You have the emotionally disturbed there all along Telegraph Hill leading up to UCAL Berkeley. And then you have the uh, park right in the heart of Berkeley, People's Park, they call it. Uh, When I was organizing the Guardian Angels in San Francisco, I remember that the cops had to actually use tear gas to clear out demonstrators who were upset. Some of the illegals from, I think it was Ecuador or Bolivia, had set up uh, volleyball nets. And I always wondered why they... Why they be playing volleyball? They're kind of short, right? They can't spike it over the net. But they love, they love soccer and they love volleyball. If you ever go to Flushing Meadow Park uh, on a weekend, on a Saturday and Sunday, uh, the immigrants, the illegals are either playing soccer or they're playing volleyball. So they set up some volleyball nets in People's Park. Some of the hippies and the burnouts and the druggies, they protested. They wanted those uh, nets taken down, those volleyball nets. And the cops had to come up, come in with tear gas to clear them out. That's how crazy that place is. Uh, If we look at the life and times of this guy who assaulted Paul Pelosi, this guy Dave, he had been a hemp jewelry maker. Apparently, he lived with a nudist. He was the photographer for the nudist colony. In fact, it was an organization called... (laughs) The Castro nudist colony. Now, it had nothing to do with Fidel or Raul Castro behind the sugarcane curtain of Cuba. The Castro is a section of San Francisco that was predominantly gay and lesbian when I went there in the 80s, and and still is. But I guess that's where he was living. Uh, His wife was a Russian who was from uh, Moscow. And apparently she was the head of the nudist organization, and he would sort of come along and take pictures. He probably was uh, getting quite excited in taking all those pictures. But he also attended a nude wedding in which he was the only person fully clothed on the steps of San Francisco City Hall. Imagine they actually let the nudist colony members get married in the nude right inside of San Francisco City Hall. Uh, I think that was at the time uh, that uh, Giggles Harris, (laughs) uh, her boyfriend was mayor at that time. By the way, our first uh, booby prize will go out to a man uh, who actually dressed uh, with more of a swagger style than even Eric Adams, the swagger man with new plan, who uh, at approximately 12.05 tonight Entered the club zero bond. We'll be talking about him later on. He is not going to let this night get away. Uh, he is at the club zero bond downtown where whatever happens in club zero bond stays in club zero bond. It is a private club. Got to pay $10,000 for membership. And if you have any guests like Eric Adams says, you got to pay additional schedule. And I'm at it in this uh, private club. You get the uh, opportunity to come up. Meet with the mayor who has his own private booth, and you get to wine, dine, and pocket line him, and nobody knows about it. And everybody has to give up their cell phones. When you go in to the Zero Bond Club, you must give up your cell phones. 
because obviously they don't want you photographing or filming what may be going on. <laughs> That's why uh, the code is whatever happens in the club zero bond stays in the club zero bond. By the way, who am I talking about? Who is the uh, who is the uh, person who developed Giggles Harris uh, politically in the Bay Area? She went on to become the San Francisco uh, County Prosecutor, I believe, then the Attorney General of the State of California. But this guy actually was more of a swagger man than Eric Adams. Had more suits than Eric Adams, more expensive suits. Went on to become the Speaker of the State Legislature in Sacramento, California. Uh, what is his name? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So after he is the photographer for the uh, nudist uh, group uh, that was living in the Castro in San Francisco, apparently he uh, came upon hard times. This is the guy who assaulted Paul Pelosi and is now under arrest. Lived in a storage unit. And from time to time was a house sitter and admitted that he was using hard drugs at the time. Can you imagine he was living in a storage unit? How many of you are clutterers and you rent a storage unit every week in an old factory? Well, I don't know how he arranged it, but he was living in the storage unit. He wouldn't get a bank account because he was too shy to speak to the bank teller. He didn't like making eye contact with anybody. According to all those who knew him, he was a megalomaniac, which meant he was obsessed with his own power and for a time was using biblical passages to justify doing harm to others. And then they went on to say of late, he became a follower of the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, CEO, and the many uh, videos that he put out on YouTube uh, involving election denial. I don't know if this guy had a my pillow. You think he had a lot my pillow living in that storage unit? I don't think so. But apparently he was an avid uh, watcher of the Mike Lindell uh, election denial videos on YouTube. He also also uh, posted up often on uh, his site the COVID vaccines were deadly, and apparently he had links to a lot of transphobic sites. And that generally means that the guy was probably uh, a transformer himself, a transvestite, a transgender, I don't know. But uh, uh, sometimes when people hate uh, a group so much, it's because secretly they are what they hate. And that's part of the reason that they hate that group. (laughs) Oh, man, this guy is a real Fruit Loop trooper. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Sammy and Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Sabahin. Uh, yeah, Willie Brown. Downtown Willie Brown, correct. Uh, if you can turn your radio down, we're catching the reverb, uh, Sabahin. The radio, it's the World Series. I'm sorry. Oh no, man. no, it's okay. Uh, I, I was, uh, I, I was cheating myself. I was watching. I like the Phillies. Uh, yeah, well, it looks good for them right now. You know, got to tell you. Well, they, you know, unlike my Yankees, they play the fundamentals. You know, they they take a base hit when they realize the pitcher is overpowering. They just put the wood on the ball and they hope for the best. Well, you guy, um, 
the guy Eric Adams uh, kind of put the uh, jinx on the Yankees. Yeah, he did, and the Mets. Remember, he uh, claimed to have been a Met fan growing up, which I believe he grew up in uh, Queens, Southeast Queens, went to Bayside High School, said he loved Tommy Agee. I I can accept that. He said that they would sweep their way into the World Series, got knocked out of the box in the preliminary round by the San Diego Padres, and the guy I hate, Manny Machado. And then he said the same thing about the Yankees. We got past uh, Cleveland. They'll always be the Indians to me, uh, Chief Wahoo. And then just got completely drubbed by Houston. But the Phillies, uh, Phillies are a good ball club. They pay, they play fundamentally sound baseball, which is what you have to do if you're going to beat Houston. Yep. By the way, you, you know, you're talking about, um, you, you the Atlanta Braves, uh, uh, mascot. You know what his name was? No, actually, somebody told me before. I think Chief, the, Chief Nakahoma. Uh, Chief Nakahoma. Uh, let's see. I, I remember it was uh, Al Downing who had pitched for the Yankees and the Mets uh, briefly, and the Dodgers. Gave who, up the home run to, to right. uh, Henry Aaron back in April 1974, Monday night. That's right, and I remember Chief Nakahama coming out of his TP doing his uh, Atlanta Braves dance. Everybody doing chop chop, and you know, to yeah. their credit, the Atlanta Braves will not change their name like the Cleveland Indians did, and they continue to do the chop-chop, you know, when, when a ball player does well. Yep, yep. And, you know, it's really funny when um, Aaron's rounding second base, you see a credit card advertis- advertisement in the background of the, the old Atlanta Stadium. It was Bank AmeriCard, which is the precursor to what credit card today. Wow, the Bank of America. Hmm. I don't know. Visa. Visa. All right, man. You you're on fire tonight, Sammy. Well, I haven't I haven't spoken to you a couple of weeks, you know. I gotta tell you it's it's hit or miss. I got the game on tonight. So I'm um multitasking, which is difficult, watching the game and talking to you. I tell you, Sammy, I cannot blame you at all. Uh, the Phillies and Houston are exciting baseball teams, so it's good that you haven't just dropped me like a bad habit or an old girlfriend never. and you've decided to never. listen to both. Never, never. Excellent. You're, well, you're there. Stay on the line. Stay on the line, Sabine. Uh, hey, make sure a telephone talent coordinator uh, – Avery, that uh, you hook Sammy up with a Curtis Sleeper booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. We throw nickels around like manhole coverage. Thank God our owners and operators uh, have some uh, deep pockets. They're able to afford these great WABC baseball caps. And on it, you get uh, you get emblazoned on it. Curtis Sleeper. The better side of the other side of midnight, because it really is better than Frank Morano's uh, The Worst Side of the Other Side of Midnight. It is on Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. But let me tell you something. Uh, that's JV style. This is varsity style. Varsity style. To make sure uh, uh, you take care of Sammy there, please, uh, Avery, because uh, he is multitasking. And I don't consider that cheating. I really know Broadway Bill Lee because if I could, I'd be cheating right now myself. I was watching a game. I wasn't listening to WABC. I got to be honest with you. Listening to the same old, you know, Biden sucks. Trump is God. I can only listen to so much of that crap. And I was excited. Uh, Houston was ahead 5 nothing. Verlander on the mound. He was throwing bullets. 
And I told Nancy, who's a baseball fan, I said, watch, Philly plays the fundamentals. They were trying to play long ball in the first three innings, but they couldn't catch up to Verlander's fastball. And so then they just went with the pitch. And all of a sudden, 5 nothing is 5-5. Five, five. Fundamental baseball, something the Yankees can't play. We'll talk about it later on. Is even the great Mariano Rivera, who never speaks. I mean, you, he's like the Sphinx. Was being honored at Seton Hall University. I had been invited the other night. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there. I wanted to be, but I'm campaigning for a lot of different Republican candidates leading up to the midterm elections on November 8th. Early voting starts tomorrow in New York, Saturday. Well, not tomorrow. It's today. But apparently Mariano Rivera let everybody there know Aaron Boone has got to go. And I asked my kumbada chief, Rudy Giuliani, no greater Yankee fan than Rudy, who is number eight in honor of Yogi Berra. He hated Mickey Mantle because he never signed autographs. I got it. I got it. I said, hey, Rudy, you agree? He said, absolutely. Aaron Boone's got to go. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight, 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Driving that train, I'm cocaine. Casey Jones, you better watch your speed. Trouble ahead, trouble behind. I hated Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead, and I hate their pretenders who've tried to fill the void, even though the Grateful Dead still tour, but obviously not what it used to be. The fish, fish, fish from Vermont. No, 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 sorry. The patchouli oil, all that stuff. Dropping acid. No, sorry. But apparently this guy was a deadhead. Yes, the guy who attacked Pelosi. He and his wife at the time, that Taub, who led the nudist group in the Castro section in San Francisco. This schlub was a photographer. But apparently, uh, as I told you, she was from Moscow, Russia. And she had the job as the homeless youth director at Jerry Garcia Family Healing Clinic. Now, you can imagine what that must have been like, right? Lots of acid. Uh, there's no indication as if his uh, wife at the time had anything to do with him wigging out and attacking Mr. Pelosi. Uh, the woman Taub has told the media she believes that 9-11 was an inside job. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, a little Rosie O'Donnell there. So they're like screwballs in all different directions. In 2013, Taub mentioned uh, uh, this guy, Dave. As a photographer who did great photography, she recommended that people get his uh, shots uh, of the protests that they did in the Castro neighborhood when uh, 67 of them took their clothes off simultaneously in the middle of the Castro. Apparently, he was a well-revered photographer for perps. And they had three kids together. 
And then when she got remarried, he was the best man. And remember, everybody got married. They were nude except for him in City Hall with uh, downtown Brown, uh, who was the mayor at that time. Maybe he uh, oversaw the uh, marriage there. But this is incredible. Instead of cooking Thanksgiving dinner in their Berkeley home, they chose to join 350 others at the two-star market for a community meal. Sounded to me a lot like he was a uh, hippy-dippy, right? Anyway, our number is one 800 Now, did you hear any of this on any of the other shows? No. You heard the Democrats say, oh, this is the result of January 6th and Trump. Right? And then you heard the Republicans say, oh, this is the result of all the crimes. Neither. This is just one big hot mess, a real screwball. And trust me, there have been screwballs like this before. Now, I know, before the program in South, somebody's going to say, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's how Manson and his his family, his co-family started. You know, eventually they did home invasions and then they killed people like Sharon Tate. No. Relax. Yeah, I know. Charlie Manson wanted to start a race war to pit blacks versus whites. I get it. I know. And, yeah, he hung out with the Peach Boys. And how hung out was Neil Young? Neil Young? Say it ain't so, Neil. Say it ain't so. Oh, boy, am I wigging out. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Rob, who's calling from Queens. Enough of the dead. I hate them. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Hi, Curtis. How are you? I've had better days. I just had to listen to the Grateful Dead. It makes me nauseous. I, I, I can understand that. Hearing what you hear on TV, it makes me nauseous. I uh, heard you earlier talking about the Caruso and Bass. Uh, situation out in L.A. I know she's favored, and uh, I talked to my girlfriend, Gracie, and uh, she's very close with a lot of people in L.A., and he might pull off the upset out there. Uh, as bad as he might be, Karen Bess is a lot worse for Los Angeles. No doubt about it, and remember one thing about their elections, which are different than ours. They're nonpartisan. Although, to be honest with you, you know pretty much their party affiliation. Just like when Reardon became the mayor years ago in L.A., everybody knew he was a Republican, but you don't see the big R next to his name, his challenges, you didn't see the D. Uh, They call it a nonpartisan election. Uh, Many claim that's how a Republican can win in Los Angeles. This guy's got billions of dollars like, uh, like Reardon had, like Bloomberg had. To be continued, although I think Bass is going to win, unfortunately, and that means the crime wave will continue in L.A. Because one thing about uh, the African-American community in L.A., I've been there, spent a lot of time, Compton, uh, Watts, South Central. Oh, um, uh, some of them are their own independent uh, cities, Englewood, is that they vote. Uh, they mobilize, they vote. 55-plus uh Black female women vote. The guys, you can forget about it. The women, whatever the pastor says, that's who they vote for. It's a block vote. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ed, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ed. I have a different theory about uh, the Paul Pelosi thing. 
his uh, the guy was his uh, boyfriend, and there was, Nancy swung the hammer. I know. Hold on a second. So you think that they were having some kind of a homosexual relationship, this guy, this nut job, and Pelosi's husband, and that Nancy, although she was reported to be in Washington, D.C., was actually in the home at the time and swung the hammer. It's possible. I'm not casting aspersions. There's nothing wrong with, you know, two adult men having a relationship. But, uh, yeah. I was talking to my wife's, uh, my my, uh, sorry, my parents' uh, stockbroker, and he uh, he he was the one who told me. He said that, that him and Paul are lovers, and Nancy found out, and she got crazy. That and and, and he was in the car apparently when he he crashed his Porsche mm. a couple of weeks ago. I yeah, know, I remember that. He was half in the bag. He's also made investments in which the Pelosi's have profited with insider information that she has provided. They should have gone to jail for that. But uh, you heard this from your mom and dad's stockbroker? Exactly, yeah. He says he he has somebody who knew. Mm. uh, Can I ask you a question uh, about how much much money has your mom and dad uh, given this guy to invest on their behalf? Uh, Whatever they have. They have, like, you know, a couple hundred grand from... uh, my dad's AT&T pension. He worked for AT&T for like... Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I am just cautioning you. I'd be a little worried if this was his conspiratorial belief that uh, the old guy, Pelosi, excuse me, 82, was having a relationship with this uh, 40-something-year-old guy, and uh, Nancy was aware of it and then came swinging that hammer. And I didn't believe it at first, but the more he talked about it, I was like, Really? I said, okay. You know. so, so this you, you find is really more of the rage of passion and not anything politically. So it is the P of passion and not politics. Exactly. There was no sign of a break-in. Mm-hmm. And this kind of crime is like a crime of passion. It's not a hate crime. Well, they were both holding the hammer simultaneously. And then apparently, well, according to the police report, once they approached... He wrestled the hammer away from uh, Pelosi and then started to do him in. So, hmm. Ah. I mean, Paul Pelosi blew, uh, like, a DWI, like, twice the legal limit. Yeah. No, he he was drunk as a skunk. There's no doubt about that. And you would say a man who was worth, uh, what, about 150 mil? How come he didn't have a Jeeves, a chauffeur, uh, unless... You know, the reason that a lot of wealthy people don't have chauffeurs sometimes is the chauffeur knows everything. Exactly. When, you're, when you're on your cell phone, right, and you're having an intimate conversation, maybe about business or with your family members, things aren't going well, or you go matter on the side, the chauffeur hears everything. The chauffeur knows more about you than any member of your family because he's very quietly driving you. And even if you put the visor down... He can hear everything going on. Exactly, yeah. So I think that was the reason that a man of his wealth, worth about $150 million with all the money he swindled uh, because of stock investments based on insider trader information provided by his wife, Nancy Pelosi, that uh, that's probably why he did not have Jeeves, who uh, could have been doing the driving, 
and he would have avoided the DUI, right? Hmm. That's an interesting theory that it had there. A love interest that really caused that Italian Pelosi to get enraged. You know how Italian women are when they get angry. They lose control. But somehow she happened to be in Washington, D.C. Well, was that all a ruse? Hmm. Let's go to Don, who's calling from uh, Amityville. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Don. Hey, Curtis. Uh, I got some speculation here. I'll run it real quick. Uh, Pelosi's on probation, right? Three years probation for his DWI. That is correct. Uh, Everybody's got to go to AA meetings or NA meetings. That's part of probation, usually. Hmm. Uh, When I've gone to AA meetings at a rehab, you meet a lot of Wackenheimers in NA or AA. They go there for the food. So he's a local guy. He goes to the meeting close by. Everybody gets equal in those meetings. You can be Paul Pelosi or a crackhead. You're an equal person. He meets him. He in his naivete, he says, "Okay, here's my number." Blah blah blah. Maybe he's going to help the guy. Maybe he gets to know him a little bit from the AA thing. Maybe the guy finds out where he lives. He lost some money to buy a new crack pipe. He's a low life, and he goes in and he lets him in because he thinks he's doing the right thing. Then he realizes he's with a whack job, and he's got the hammer next to him because he doesn't know what to think. They wrestle for the hammer. Bada boom, bada bing. What do you think? Very plausible, very plausible, especially the guy was living in a storage unit. And, you know, Pelosi, his politics, uh, you know, it couldn't be that bad a guy. I'm here, I'm sitting in an alcohol anonymous meeting, and uh, maybe I just uh, bring the guy up. My my wife's away. She's a real witch. You know, this guy, he understands what I'm going through. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand. And in his grandiosity, he's he's messed up on meth. He thinks he can talk to Paul Pelosi and jump the fence and get a hundred bucks off him. You know what I mean? This is very plausible. No money for you. I'll give you a sandwich. But a boom, I'll put the hammer in your head. Because he's mad, he can't get his drugs. One last thing, dude. I I'm the guy that wrote a song for your uh, 1979 movie uh, Battle of the Magnificent Tent. They didn't use it. Um, I talked to you once before about that stuff. I also sent some uh, – Frank Morano's got four of my songs. <laughs> One of them, Subways Don't Bother Me, all right? I wrote it 40 years ago. It's a great song. I don't care if you like it or you don't. I just wanted you to listen to it. He never played it for you, and he played it three times on the radio. Wow. So he – wait a second. He hoarded this song that you wrote about the subways, <laughs> even yeah. though he never rides the subway. He never does. <laughs> I wrote the song 40 years ago, Subways They Don't Bother Me, it's called. And it's after I saw you on a west side, I lived in the Lacadida restaurant, 250 West 78th Street. I had rats there. I moved out to Astoria because of it. But I saw you. I was going up and down to the village. I saw you on either a one or a two or a three train. I forget. And uh, I saw you come on. You know, you had your jacket and all that stuff. It was cool. And you got off the train. You had your crew with you. And it was 79. And... Uh, I wrote that song, Subways They Don't Bother Me, and he's got it. So if you listen to it, I don't care if I never talk to you again. If I know you listen to it, that's all I care about. That's good looking out, Don. Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, for that information, that intel, that dirty rat, Frank. Avery, you make sure that you uh, get that, uh, that song. Because sometimes, Don, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, is called in the last minute to do the phone screening for Frank Morano because he's got this uh, 
This guy was a real stunad. This guy can uh, with a muscle between his ears. Imagine this. Two out of the five days that he's working, he makes it over the same bridge from eastern Pennsylvania to Phillipsburg, and he can't find his way to Manhattan. Is that a stunad or what? Stunad. Forget about it. Listen, I also wrote, he, he played my song called the Coney Island theme song. I wrote for uh, when they were going to open up Steeple Chase Park back, uh, back in the 80s. And he played that. He loved that song. He played that one. He played Brooklyn Girl. I sent it to him. Wow, he, he's he's hoarding all your songs. He's not sharing. Yeah. You know, it's typical Frank. I and me, not us and we. Bubsky, listen, man. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan, and uh, it would mean a lot to me if you just listen to it. I don't care what happens. Yeah, no, 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 Don. That will take place. Uh, please uh, stay on the line, uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator. Please make sure he gets a booby prize, but also. Get the specific name of the song, and the next time you're asked to substitute for that uh, stunad, Ken, find out where Frank uh, is hoarding this uh, song that was meant for me, not him. When has Frank ever ridden the subway? He doesn't even ride the Staten Island Rapid Transit fake subway out there, you know, from the ferry all the way out to Tottenville. Oh, my God. What the hell is he doing with that song? And the guy wanted it to go to me. You see, you see what a fair weather Frank, uh, friend Frank is? Can't trust that Murano, that Mameluke. I act more incompetent at certain areas than I actually am. And I don't know why I'm that way. I do. You're full of yourself. That's the problem. Let's go to Carl in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carl. Yeah, Curtis, I got a bone to pick with you. I've been listening to you for a long time, so please. Did you verify any information that you're putting out, these conspiracy theories about this guy? It's like you're circling the wagon from somebody got cracked in the head with a hammer. You, the law and order guy. This is I don't understand what you guys are doing. Hold on a second. I, I, I'm telling you things about this guy who attacked Mr. Did Pelosi. It? Did you verify any of it? Well, I'm just saying it's not what we think it is. One group says, oh, it's part of January 6th. Uh, the Republicans are saying, oh, it's all about crime. I'm saying this guy's a crackpot, a screwball. Look at his life. But, that's, but the point is he got cracked in the head. Aren't you the law and order guy? Why is he not called a criminal and a thug and everything that you label other people? Mm, that, is, that is very interesting. So you have you have extrapolated from that that maybe I am somewhat sympathetic with what this guy did. You, you, you know he's a trumper. That's why you guys know he's a right winger, and you know exactly why he did it. Now is that because he follows the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, and all of his? Uh, his uh, election denying YouTube uh, postings. It's all related, and, and, and you guys need to be ashamed of yourself with these conspiracy theories just tearing the country apart. Now, hold on a second, Carl. He listens to the Grateful Dead. Uh, didn't you want to know that? Curtis, come on. He's a photographer for a nudist colony. Didn't you want to know that? I've been following you for a long time. I know you for a long time. And it's just getting worse on this station to me. I, I, I don't get it. Oh my God! I really don't get it. Hold on a second. I'm not not supposed to reveal everything about a guy that really nobody knows at this point. They're all coming to their own conclusions. I'm giving the information and putting it out there. You be the judge, Carl. 
I know, but he's 82 years old, Curtis. Does he deserve some level of a good life at 82 of years course, old? Of course, and he has a good life other than what happened to him today. Yeah, but I mean, but why are you not just upset with the guy who did it? Well, I'm upset. I'm upset. I'm upset at that, but I'm also upset at both sides already coming to a conclusion about what this is about when we really don't know. The guy's a nut job. He's a schoolboy. He needs to be in jail. All right. Do I get a poopy pack? <laughs> yes. Yes, for that. For putting me on the ropes. And I had to uh, sort of do the rope-a-dope with you there, Carl. So, yeah, stay on the line. Right. Make sure, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, you give him a good courtesy with booby prize. He had me on the ropes there. I was starting to wonder, gee, am I sympathetic with this schoolball and nut job who lives, who lives in a storage unit? <laughs> and, and makes hemp jewelry <laughs> And is a photographer for the nudist colony in the Castro section of San Francisco. Yeah, and uh, loves the Grateful Dead. Has used hard drugs. You have to if you uh, listen to the dead. They're like the worst. The only group worse than them are fish. Oh, God. And know that notion. Just crossed my mind. He wouldn't get a bank account because he was too shy to speak to the bank teller. Couldn't look the bank teller in the eye. But he could come up on Mr. Pelosi and whack him in the head with a hammer. It's Trevor Junction at 17 at a quarter to And I'm telling you, since he linked up to transphobic sites, that's always an indicator there is probably a transgender, trans, uh, again, like transformer, transvestite himself. Any of the three, I guarantee you that. You know, it latent, latent. So that's why he hates them because he himself is one. By the way, if he hates them so much, what's he doing living in the Bay Area? Yeah, a hell of a lot of transgenders and transvestites there. It's sort of like maybe you go live in Wyoming. <laughs> You go live in Utah. Ay, ay, ay. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Jefferson Airplane. By the way, for another booby prize, where is Grace Slick's place of origin, where she was birthed? Where is Grace Slick's city of birth? Actually, uh, there was significance uh, in this town just a while back. 
dominated our discussion for a while. Let's see if you can link both together for a Curtis Lee Booby Prize. Oh, this is so good, this song. What a great group. Now, you know, you know that when you were listening to Grace Slick and the Jefferson Airplane, it was some heavy, heavy, heavy drugs being consumed. I can assure you that neither Mr. Pelosi at 82 or this nutjob screwball Fruit Loop Trooper were listening to Jefferson Airplane. I can almost guarantee you that. I can almost guarantee you, but the booby prize question is, what town is Grace Slick birthed in that has been in the news a while back? We learned quite a bit about it. 1-800-848-9222. You know, I feel kind of guilty. That guy from uh, New Jersey really nailed me to the wall. Made me feel guilty that I wasn't as empathetic and maybe sympathetic as I should be. I mean, maybe I should call for the death penalty for that nut job, school ball, Fruit Loop Trooper. They don't have the death penalty. I got San Quentin there, the gas chamber right there. Marin, Marin County, one of the wealthiest... I mean, it's hot tub heaven. Like, every person has a hot tub in their backyard in Marin County, right there in the East Bay. And then you see St. Quentin there. The gas chamber. What do you think, huh? Think we should gas him? Yeah, but he's going to be ruled to be uh, psychiatrically uh, unstable. I don't think so. I don't think Gavin Newsom would ever go for it, right? Bye-bye. Oh, that's right. President Newsom this song. Talk about taking drugs. Y'all must be under drugs to think he'll ever be president over my dead body. Anyway, let's go to Isabel, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Isabel. Hi, Curtis. I think that Nancy Pelosi hired that guy to kill her husband. Hmm. <laughs> so you think uh, with all the access that Nancy Pelosi might have... The professional hitman who had originally worked uh, for the CIA or the uh, deep state, that she would reach out to a guy who was living in a storage unit uh, <laughs> to actually whack her husband? <laughs> Maybe she didn't know where he was living. <laughs> but you're of the opinion that Nancy was upset with her husband because of that DUI situation. It really put her in a precarious situation. And the fact that the insider trader information that she was providing to her husband enriched them to the tune of $150 million. <laughs> I think she was just tired of him. <laughs> Could be. You know, wives... Uh, They've, they've actually hired hitmen before. They go online to hire a hitman, and who do they end up with? An undercover cop. Every time. How come? Every time. That's true. That's true. What happened to the, you know, the professional hitmen out there? Go ahead, Isabel. 
was let in or something because those uh, sliding doors, you get a bar and you put it and it can't be opened from uh, outside. Uh. And whose so hammer do you that. think that was? If I had a hammer in the evening, I'd hammer all the time. <laughs> that was a great folk song that you would <laughs> right. uh, traditionally have heard in the Bay Area in San Francisco years ago. Right. Wh- whose whose hammer was it? Do you think it was the guy breaking in, or it was Mr. Pelosi's hammer? I think he brought a hammer with him because hmm. he wanted to hammer all all day, hammer in the evening, and hammer in the summertime, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, Isabel, you may be onto something here. A, cr- a crime of passion, Nancy Pelosi, upset at her husband who had uh, done her wrong. Could be that Italian, you know, that Italian anger of hers. We've seen that anger. Remember when she was in the White House sitting at the table with Schumer and the Republican leaders when President Trump was in? And she stood up and she said, you, I will never deal with you again. Remember that? And she said she wanted to punch Trump. Yes. She's got that hot Italian temper. (laughs) You know, normally. Ladylike. Normally, uh, women with hot Italian tempers, if they think they've been done wrong by their husbands or boyfriends, they will uh, urinate in the back of their car, and those guys will be smelling it for months, or they'll slash their tires. Mm. You know how I know that? My Aunt Louise did that to her boyfriend when she found out that he was cheating on her. She She was working at the bowling alley, right? She was a cocktail waitress. And this guy, also a photographer, I might add, she caught him cheating. She slashed his tires. She didn't put some of her urine, not even the fresh urine. She let it sort of ferment, and she poured it all in the back of his Cadillac, and he couldn't get the stench out for months. Harold was his name, Harold the photographer. Although, although, Isabel, I don't think he was a photographer for a nudist colony along the Jersey Shore or out there in uh, out there in the Rockaways. <sighs> anyway, Isabella, stay on the line. Stay on the line. Uh, let's give Isabella courtesy with booby prize because I like I like that the passion of Nancy Pelosi. She did say she wanted to punch right Donald Trump right in the face. Who fought you? Let's go to Richard, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rich. She was born in a suburb of Chicago called Highland Park. But i got a question in return for you, Curtis. What college in New York did she go to? I didn't go to college. Uh, I didn't did even... She, did she go to? Grace oh, Lake. oh, oh. <laughs> Grace Lake. All right, but before we get to the college she went to, why is Highland Park so important of late? What happened there that made international headlines months ago? Oh, you're on top of me. I don't know that one. Sorry. Maybe you had that young guy, that loner, who got that assault weapon, uh, and while they were having a Christmas parade, remember he went up on the roof and he started shooting at them, and he killed multiple people there. And remember he turned out, he was like... God, what a schoolball he was. Uh, you forgot that already, huh? Yeah, but what college did, did she go to? There's a good question. All right, what college did Grace Slick go to? It's a New York City college that no longer exists. All right, if I were thinking, 
Highland Park, a wealthy community. I would think she went to NYU. It's the college that no longer exists. Whoa, which college is that? And the building is now Vermont High School on the Upper East Side. Who? Which one? Which co- more dope. Trisha Nixon also went there. Oh, my God, Trisha Nixon. So uh, she ended up marrying uh, Cox, who was always uh, part of the roundtable discussion here with John Katzmatidis. Which university, or I mean, which college did she go to? Finch. Which? Finch. F-I-N-C-H. Finch. Finch. Uh, you had to be wealthy to go to Finch, right? Yeah, but it was a finishing school. Ah, finishing. It was, it, was, it was the college like the Upper East Side prep schools, you know, Upper East Side girls prep schools, sorry. Can they ever, ever imagine that she became the acid queen of the rock and roll world with Jefferson Airplane? Could they ever, ever imagine that, Rich? Well, obviously not. But it's, probably, it's, it's probably white-folded. <laughs> but the, building is, the, the building is now Ramaz. A Finch College. Wow, Trisha Nixon went there. A daughter of uh, Richard Nixon, who married uh, Cox, who was the former Republican state chairman, a contributor to the John Katzmatidis Five O'Clock Roundtable. Wow, we've gone full circle here, Richard. Yep, we have. You taught me something. I had no idea. I knew which town she was from outside of Chicago, north of Evanston, Highland Park, but I had no idea she came to New York. Finch College, and then became the queen of acid. So stay on the line, Rich. Telephone talent coordinator, Avery. We have another Curtis Lee with Booby Prize winner. And remember, this is magnificent. You get a WABC baseball cap, and you get a logo on it that says, the best side of the other side of midnight, unlike the worst side of the other side of midnight, which is the Frank Morano show, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. But see, I'm going to take you to the break of dawn. 12 midnight to 6, nobody's going to sleep. And then so nice, the suits let me do it twice. Sunday morning from 12 midnight to 6. And remember, in just a few hours, ah, don't worry about the spot, don't worry. I'm talking about the cops all the time, please. James Golden, 07 to 10. He thinks he's better than me with music. You'll see towards the end. And then it's left versus white, me versus Anthony Weiner. 3 o'clock today. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. I'd like to be able to... Anyway... I'm, my mind's going blank now. What's happening? What, what, I can't remember. I'm losing track. My mind's going blank now. What's going on here? My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. What am I doing here? My mind's going blank now. Where am I? I keep forgetting I'm a president. Where am I? I have no idea. I don't think as the idea. Recognize Dr. John John King of Song. My mind's going blank now. You believe this song is number twelve? 
in the clubs all over the country. Even Democrats, hardcore Democrats who hate Republicans are toe-tapping to this song because it's so well done. Uh, President Joe Biden's mind has gone blank. And in listening to Rita Cosby, who precedes uh, me on, uh, she's on Friday, 9, 10 to 12, she was playing uh, President Joe Biden having a meltdown over this attack against Mr. Pelosi. By by the way, a guy who lives in a storage unit. <laughs> I know everybody, oh, probably January 6th, right? Yeah. He lives in a freaking storage unit. He's used hard drugs. He wouldn't get a bank account. Not because he doesn't trust the bank account, but he's too shy to speak to the bank teller and look at him or her in their eyes. Oh, wait a second. That's the Bay Area. Look in their non-binary eyes, their uh, asexual eyes, their uh, polysexual eyes, whatever their gender identification is. (laughs) He's a photographer for a nudist colony that is in the Castro section in San Francisco. And he attended the nude wedding, the only one fully clothed, on the steps of San Francisco City Hall when I think it was uh, out of town, Brown, the uh, the groomer for (laughs) Giggles uh, Harris's political career. She went on to become the county... uh, Attorney in San Francisco County and then the Attorney General of uh, California. It was the uh, Speaker of the uh, State Legislature who actually dresses, believe it or not, with suits that cost more money than Eric Adams, a swagger man with no plan, who, according to uh, the little birdies at the Club Zero Bond, they've texted me, yep, he's still there. Still there, so if you want to wine him, dine him, and pocket line him, and you want to pay the membership fee of $10,000, knock yourself out. He'll be more than happy to take your loot. I know it's 1-800-848-9222. And again, uh, contrary to uh, what the guy in New Jersey was telling me, today on Twitter, Jesse Smollett was trending cause of the Pelosi attack. So many people think... That it's bogus. I'm not saying it's bogus, but a lot of people think it's bogus. Inquiring minds want to know, how was it the two guys were outside when the police rolled up, the dispatcher having them sent them there, and Mr. Pelosi was holding a hammer, and the guy who broke into his house was holding a hammer. And then that's when the guy started wailing away on Mr. Pelosi in front of the cops. You know, that makes sense because they do that in San Francisco all the time. They, they realize there are no consequences. I could kill somebody in front of the SFPD. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to Jeff, who's calling from Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard at WABC, Jeff. Curtis. Right on. Curtis, I, I I feel numb, Curtis. I have no feelings or remorse for this man because I do not believe, I just don't believe how it went down. It's like the boy who cried wolf with these entitled Democrats. And the Jesse Smollett is just the icing on the cake. This man had a DWI with a car accident that somebody got hurt 
and nobody knew nothing about it for how long. Then we found out judges were changed, prosecutors were changed. Sir, I want the 9-11 tape. I want video. I want to see what really went down. You know, they can track people with cell phones, yada, yada. But, you know, there's cameras in that neighborhood. There's got to be. I just don't believe it. I want to see all the facts because I do not trust Nancy Pelosi. I don't trust that tape that they had when they said she said she wants to punch Trump in the face with the, the January. That's, be, that's all staged. Everything they do is staged. And they, what, what kills me, Curtis, is you're old school. And that's why I stay up and I listen to you, because you tell it like it is. You're genuine. They think we're stupid. Come on, man. I'm not the smart. I wasn't that great in, you know, in calculus and stuff, but I'm street smart enough where you, Def, know, uh, you, you feet on my back, and, and, I, and it's not raining. Dev, is it uh, yeah. fair to call you a Doubting Thomas in this situation? I, I'll take that name, whatever. Yeah, sure, I'll be a Doubting Thomas because, I, I, you know, uh-uh, I'm the bad cop. You won't be a good cop. I'm going to play the bad cop. Uh, I like to put him under the light, get him in the box, and grill him. You know, it could have been his boyfriend. The guy probably could have been in the porch. I, you know, they go, he says, she says, and they run with a story. You know, I think December 8th is worth it, January 6th. December 8th was the worst day in the world. That's when they burnt down Fox's Christmas tree. I mean, come on. This is just ridiculous, Curtis. Every time, Curtis. Jeff, it, it, is, uh, it is conceivable. I have been in that situation before, sweated down with the good cop, bad cop in the DT room. And they say, Curtis, you you were the one who threw that guy off the roof, right? I said, what are you talking about? He slipped and he fell. I said, you got any proof? I said, that's in Brownsville, Brooklyn. You're the only white guy living there. I said, prove it. See, you got to stand up to the cops. You got to look them in the eyes, and you can't blink. And by the way, then you say, hey, you want to borrow chocolate? And watch the guy. The cop says, yeah, yeah, you got to borrow chocolate on you. you. You reverse. You reverse the roles on them. So you flip it. That's right, 73rd Precinct. Brown said, hey, guys, you thought you had me, right? Hey, you thought you had me. <laughs> Curtis, you and I go back, and I and I saved you from them from about 15 yentas. They were nice, nice ladies. It was at the Columbus Circle, saved Columbus Day. And the lady wanted a picture with you, so I was standing right there. So I, oh, could you take the picture? So I take the picture with you and this nice lady. And to my, to, I turn around, there's 10 ladies lined up behind me. Oh, could you take the picture with Curtis? So after, like, the fifth lady, you said, you better check the picture because he's got sausage fingers. I bet his fingers in one of them pictures. I thought that was great. Not only that, I tell uh, all the ladies, no matter their age, they look at me and they say, oh, you look so young. I say, it's the result of getting hit so many times. It moves the collagen around in your face. Naturally, unfortunately, there's residual problems you have. You may be a little titched, a little bots. You know, you may be a little Joe Biden-like. But, hey, you look good. Nah. You're built like a brick, you know what, man. I, I didn't think you were that big. I was like, Link got some manage. This guy's huge. And Bo Deedle too. You guys are like 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 linebackers, man. Oh, oh yeah, Bo Bo Deedle has a vice grip. You do not want to get into this mano mano grip with Bo Dito. He won't let your hand go, and naturally you can't let go, and so you gotta squeeze even tighter 
So much so, you see your blood vessels bursting out of your arm. When, when I went to shake Bo Deedle's hand, he looked at me first. Like, he went, and then he looked at me like, all right, I'll shake your hand. Like, he's paused. I was like, hey, Bo, how are you? And he stopped. And then he shook my hand. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I had no clue he was in the Irishman either. I guess I don't get out too much, but. Oh, no, no, he's had a great, great number of cameos. I would say probably his best cameo performance had to be Goodfellas. You know, towards the end of Goodfellas, he's the one who collars Henry Hill. Uh, He's the one who says, hey, uh, you're going to call your mama now or whatever. He had some great lines in there. (laughs) Uh, Kurt, can I ask you quickly, um, what do we do about, like, stuck trap cats? Um, Because I sent the thing out to you. I've known some girls, and they... They save cats, and they want, you know, foster cats. And there was a cat in Brooklyn. He was stuck up in the train station. They needed a ladder and stuff. And I don't have a ladder. I'm in Forest Hills. I don't even have a car. So I said, you know what? Let me just see if Curtis is out there. So you think that cat is still living up in that train station? They had a video of he was just like, it was a little cat. And he didn't really know what he was doing. He was on top of the roof of the train the, you know, the, the, the train station. The, sure, the, the sure. L, I so, and then the other day, there was one in the scaffolding that the fire department came to get. But Yeah, well, I saw uh, my wife uh, My wife the other night. Uh, we got a report that there was a cat on the West Side Highway. Uh, she got into the Guardian Angel Animal uh, Protection Vehicle. The van went very slow with the blinkers on. Up and down the West Side Highway, she didn't find it, but apparently the police had found it before her, and the uh, kitty is safe and secure. See, I would like to do that with you guys. I don't know about beating up the back, you know, not beating up, but you know, I'm, I'm, I construction beat up my back a little bit. I'm not as, I'm not as young as I used to be. However, I would love to, 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 to volunteer time and and try to help cats, you know save them or if they were in trouble or even dog, you know, that, animals. I got to tell you, best thing going is to have feral cats outdoors. You know, they keep talking about these rat problems that we have. We have enormous rat problems, and they keep talking pesticides. They become immune to that. They want to put dry ice in the, the holes for their lairs. That doesn't work. Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, wants to drown them. That doesn't work. Best prevention of rats procreating is you just have feral cats outdoors because they'll never come indoors. And then you have what is the equivalent of the old bodega cat in a store or in a building, and you won't have any rat problems, mice problem or rodent problems. But you stay on the line, Jeff. Uh, let's get Jeff uh, a, a booby prize here, uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, and get his information uh, so we can uh, – Possibly reach out to him and get uh, some help for our Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division. All you do is go to guardianangels.org. Uh, That's uh, guardianangels.org. Hit the tab, Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division. That's what uh, Nancy leads. And remember, we're just a day away. The last hour I do of the Quinella of the five different shows I do all weekend long where WABC stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis is 11 to 12. That's the Animal Welfare Hour, so feel free to call us up. And whatever it is, whatever kind of animal issues, not just cats and dogs, but any kind of animal issues. And uh, Nancy, uh, if she doesn't know the answer, she'll come up with it. But generally, she's pretty spot on in knowing uh, knowing a lot about uh, 
the lives of animals out there. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Donna calling from Ohio. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Donna. Hi, Curtis. Hey, you're not going to like this, maybe, but um, this is about the Pelosi um, issue. Yes. And um, I was listening last night to Frank Morano when the when the news came out. It was way early this morning, and I I was I, I've been listening to all of this all day, and I I read you know a lot of uh, you know news articles about it since you know since it's you know kind of transpired and um um i heard the uh um news um um oh what do you the 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 san francisco police chief he gave his his um his update on on it and everything and he was very vague it was extremely vague and um my question when I first heard about it was, wait a minute, you know, they've got covert security all around that house. I mean, don't tell me that somebody just walked right in the back door. No, I don't believe it. I don't I, I didn't believe it from the from the just from the jump. And I just couldn't I couldn't believe that some some guy just walks right into his house and then, you know, he he. He gets in. Well, then other news reports were saying that they were both in their underwear. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, here. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah. Yep, yep. Hmm. My, my feeling, my, this is what I'm thinking. Pelosi, this is, this is, this is a, a hookup, some kind of hookup. I don't know if it's a boyfriend. But it's something that went on, and it was like they got they got into it, and they got angry because the cops found the two of them in their underwear. What are they doing in their underwear? Hmm. And with and, hammers. Remember, with hammers in their hands. With hammers. And and how does the, how did the guy get in in the first place? You know what? Pelosi let him in. He it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a break in. And this is, you know, I'm going to say this for Carl in New Jersey's um, benefit. I don't believe that any anybody should be should be, you know, hurt. An old man like that, 82 years old, but nobody should be hurt like that. And this has nothing. I don't think this has anything to do with politics. I think that well, it might, you know, you know, Nancy might be involved here somewhere. But you know what? All of the agencies that were in, that are involved in this right now, they're all in bed with with the Biden administration. You're not going to get you're going to get a cover up. You're not going to get the truth out of this. And and that's 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 where I'm at right well, now. No, no, Donna, you are not uh, a minority. As I said, uh, what's trending on Twitter uh, all day in lieu of the information that you first heard at the end of the Frank Morano show, is that many people feel it's very much like Jesse Smollett uh, because uh, they feel that the Pelosi attack was not what initially they thought. They were really put off at the fact that at 1230 East Coast time, the uh, 
uh, police come out, they give their initial report, they don't take any questions, and they were very curt and bereft yeah, of information. Right. It's like, how, how could you yeah. give such little information and not take any yeah. questions? Mm-hmm. So, no, no, yeah, look, I, look, Donna, yeah. there are many, yeah. many people out there who are thinking just like you are, that it's very strange that a major figure like Mr. Pelosi, who's been in the news before for the DUI, for also insider right. trading information, that's how uh, he got to be uh, so rich, $150 million net worth from all the information right. that his wife Nancy was providing to him so that he could get a jump on the other stock buyers. And now this, so... Uh, yeah, you would have thought there would have been a like at least a half hour press conference. I'm sure the press had a lot of questions. Now two minutes, boom, that's it. They walk yeah. right off the and we haven't heard from them since. Very vague. And you know, I, I listened to Greg Kelly today and he was asking he, he was listening, he was playing the uh the um the interview with the with the police chief and, and he, he was he was asking questions like what you know why why are they being so so you know vague about these these details it's they're not giving they they weren't giving anything out and i don't think we're ever going to find out you know the real truth about well, it well i i was listening to greg kelly cuz remember i do the uh, afternoon show uh, yeah. 12 15 mm-hmm. to 1 monday through friday so i went into the other studio i was listening uh, greg kelly who as you know comes from a great background he's the son of the longest-serving police commissioner, Ray Kelly, in the history of the NYPD. I heard mm-hmm. him even say, hey, maybe I should call my dad and get him on the air and find out what he thinks yeah. may have been transpiring because it all happened so quickly, a two-minute press conference. None. Normally, these kind of things, right, they'd have a press conference every four hours. We'll update you in four hours. We'll see what the... Uh, what the prosecutor, uh, you know, the new uh, DA of San Francisco County has to say. Nothing. We haven't heard anything since. Yeah, yeah. And don't you think also, too, that the timing is really suspect a little bit? You know, just, you know, 10 days before um, uh, the uh, midterms, I just think I think all of it is just it's it's, it's just looking just. Well, I, I tell you, one thing we do know is this guy lived in a storage unit. That tells you a lot right there. I mean, right. he lived in a storage unit in Berserkly. Oh. Yeah, right, right. He, and, he made hemp jewelry. Hemp jewelry, okay. And, and trying to make make him a, a far a far right extremist, and it's like right. got to be. He was the, got to be out of their mind. The staff photographer for the nudist <laughs> colony in the Castro section, the most liberal, progressive, <laughs> gay and lesbian section in San Francisco, and he was last seen fully clothed on the steps of San Francisco City Hall. His right. wife was having a nude wedding because she's the leader of the nudist colony, and he was the best man for the guy who is now marrying his wife. Yeah, boy, that's a right winger. <laughs> no, that sounds to me like a real screwball, a Fruit Loop trooper. Man, and he's living in a storage unit. They're trying to spin this. They're trying to spin this like this guy is some kind of. Like, oh, oh yeah. they said he was looking at the YouTube <laughs> videos of the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, 
because oh, he doesn't uh, he's an election denier. But I'll bet you one thing when they check that storage unit out in Berserkly, I'll bet you there's no my pillows in there. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> right. If he was such a follower, you would have thought he would have gotten himself, you know, buy one, my pillow, get a second one free. <laughs> right. right. Well, thank you, Curtis. No, no, Donna, this is very plausible what you're saying, Donna. And by the way, you see, a guy like Frank Morano would have shut you right down, Donna. He Probably. would have yeah. shut you. He would have said, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, Where's yeah. your documentary evidence? Because... You see, yeah. he he has to come up with the theories. He never lets the callers actually yeah. extrapolate. And again, whereas some callers right now are, and some listeners are probably saying, what is Donna talking about trending right now on Twitter is Jesse Smollett. And it's trending because of the Pelosi yeah. attack. Many Americans don't believe it. They don't believe yeah. it. And, um, right. you know, I first started dating my wife about seven years ago. We uh, she was involved in another relationship and uh, she broke up with me three times within four months. Right. So we'd start dating. She broke up with me and she said, I, you know, I want to work things out with this other relationship. I said, OK, God bless you. I, I would then go and start dating other women. And then she said, oh, you know, I like you again. I'm going to start dating you again. And I would break things off with the other women that I was dating and 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 go out with Rachel. Then, um, same thing, right? The only thing different here, Donna, is that Frank Morano is not a photographer of the nudist <laughs> colony that Rachel yeah. is in charge of. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not into conspiracy theories and things like that. I'm a, you know, I have, you know, I, I try to look at things, you know, rationally and and i try to get all all my ducks in a row but you know and and the facts the facts in front of me and it the the first thing that came to my mind was the break-in you know it was like something's just not right here mm. because i can't believe that that house is not is not uh fortified not wired fortified for right wired up oh like a gosh. christmas tree Oh, you bet. You bet. And, and and there's probably people all around that neighborhood that are just, you know, that, that are s- some kind of security. And it's just I just can't believe that he just walked into the back door. I can't I don't I don't even believe that. But that that started it. And then, you know, when I heard about, you know, they're both in their underwear, it was like. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. Some, something. Something's yeah. not right. You know, wow. I'm telling you and notice. Frank Morano didn't report on that. Oh, he didn't no. want to jump to conclusions. I was no. listening to the same show, Donna, because you know me. I constantly listen to Frank Morano because I got to find out what he's saying. But <laughs> I noticed that he did, not, he did not report any of that information that you're reporting to all of us, Donna. Yeah. He censored that. He censored that because he thinks he's Mr. Big Stuff. He knows everything when in reality you were paying uh my you were giving total attention to all the different newscasts that were coming out during the day, which yeah. is the appropriate thing to do. You didn't come to a conclusion. You just right. you just listened to and watched all the inf- information as it was uh, appearing. Yeah. I salute yeah. you. By the way, which part of Ohio are you from, Donna? I'm from a a, a county called Ashland. It's and uh it's it's uh 
uh, rural and it's Amish. And uh, I live right off a um, an Amish farm. I, I'm not Amish, but I live right off an Amish farm, and it's 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 real pretty out. It's pastoral. It's real pretty out here, and it's um, it's south of south and west of Cleveland. So, about so it's not maybe, it's not uh, it, so it's closer to as you go towards Indiana. It's not near Ashtabula, near the Pennsylvania border. Oh no, it's it no that's the that's east of us. Okay, so it's it's more toward you're going toward Indiana. Than, now, yeah, and it's. You yeah. live you live next to the Amish farm. Uh, they're not yeah. permitted to have electricity or electrical items. But do they ever come over and borrow your cell phone for an important call? No, no. Um, sometimes what happens with you know if a bishop, one of the Amish bishops, needs to use um, uh, they they don't usually re- really use cell phones but if there's some kind of an emergency they'll get the bishop to to do that but the regular amish when we've got what's called the schwartz and gruber amish they're the most conservative you know the strictest um of the amish uh, you know in the country and so they're very they're very conservative and so but they they've got the their um bishops and if they have to do something uh, or they have to contact somebody. They'll they'll come over. They'll come over to like you know, um, you know what what's called English. We're the English, and they'll they'll contact an English for help or something like that. And then we can make calls for them. Mm. Now, so, yeah. Donna, uh, are there any Mennonites who live in the area? Yeah, we have Mennonite. Um, not not so much in this in in my in my area but we have them like down down toward like Wooster Ohio and and some of the other places and i think maybe up in like um i think up in Amherst too i'm not sure about that yeah but, but they, are, they, the the interesting yeah. thing about the mennonites obviously they're not as strict as the amish right, uh, but they do right. have some uh, strict rules is when you ask them uh what church did you ask me to come speak in they say the friendship church and then yeah, you say, right. okay, which friendship church? Because they're all named the Friendship Church. And they say, oh, you know where the Friendship Church is. There's a lot of Friendship Churches. The Mennonites, that's what they call their church. It's our Friendship Church. Do you realize there was a Friendship Church right in the South Bronx, right near Vice Avenue, right before you got to the Bronx Zoo, in the middle of the gang wars, and the Mennonites would welcome everybody and say, Welcome to our friendship church. And I say, you people are going to get shot. I say, God <laughs> yeah. is protecting us. <laughs> right. Boy, yeah, those, are, those are true believers. Those are real believers. Yeah. They're real, they're pacifists for sure. Oh, completely. You know? They will not, yeah. they will not raise yeah. their arm. So if you hit yeah. the Mennonite, they will not raise their arm in defense yeah. of themselves. They are, they are true believers. They're like oh, uh, yeah. very mm-hmm. much like Quakers, although Quakers obviously more modern than Mennonites, Mennonites more modern than Amish. But pretty much they believe they have a lot of the same values. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, of, I, I don't know if you're aware, Donnie, the Quakers actually created the first prisons in Pennsylvania. You were put in your cell, so if you were found guilty of your crime, you were put in your cell and you were supposed to pay back by having contemplative thought about what you had done wrong to a neighbor or a merchant or whatever. And then they put a weave in there and you had to make clothes. 
So you had to do some work with a weave. Okay. And you had to sit there for hours in contemplative thought about the bad thing you had done and how you had hurt not only that person but society. I thought that was a great idea. Look at what prisons have become now. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, can you imagine the Quakers who first created prisons in America and Pennsylvania uh, must be thinking, that's not what we had in mind. Right. Yeah. Right. But anyway, thank you, Donna. Stay on the line because with that great conversation we had, we are going to give her telephone talent coordinator, Avery, a Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. And the main reason uh, Broadway Bill Lee were doing that is – she really called Frank Morano out, right? She said, here it is. Frank was the first to talk about how Mr. Pelosi had been attacked at his house uh, in Pacific Heights in San Francisco at what would have been about 2.45 in the morning their time, uh, obviously later here. And uh, he was callous and indifferent and was not open to uh, Donna's suggestion. Stay focused, people. Stay, stay focused. Whew. Nobody believes this. Let's go to Val- Valerie in Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Valerie. Hi, Curtis. You're keeping me company while I'm packing. I'm leaving for New Jersey or first thing in the morning. Oh, which part of New Jersey? I'm going into Newark, and I'm going to be um, in the Morristown area, and then I'm going to a hustle disco party in Lodi, right near your old discriminators. Whatever you call them. I always laugh when you talk about them. Yeah, the discronificator on the Tower of Power are 50,000 powerful watts of sound, which makes us the number one news talk station in the nation in Lodi, right next to Bada Bing, which is Satin Dolls, which is a strip club that our head engineer, Dan, is always getting lap dances and brumskis in. I I know, but I'm not going there. I'm going to a real disco um, hustle dance party at the uh, Knights of Columbus there in, um, wow. in Lodi. But I wanted to tell you, all these facts that are coming out about Mr. Pelosi, I'm not saying this to disparage him, but this seems very familiar to that Mr. Um, I think his name was Andrew Gillum. Oh, and he right. was running against Ron DeSantis. And he was caught literally with his pants down and got male prostitutes and all kinds of strange things going on. And I think that this crazy guy that was trying to attack Paul Pelosi was also involved with him when he got that DUI. I think they go back away. And Rudy Giuliani, he was talking about this, too. And he said, the police call this a lifestyle situation. Mm. You know what I mean? Lifestyle. Yeah. So you mean you think that maybe Paul Pelosi... Uh, felt uh, a kinship with this uh, younger guy who was living in a storage unit. Remember, a previous caller said they were probably both going to AA because this guy acknowledged he had a alcohol and a drug problem. And uh, uh, as part of the uh, the uh, the lame sentence that they gave uh, Paul Pelosi for driving drunk, uh, he had to attend AA meetings. So our previous caller suggested, I believe that was Carl in New Jersey that uh, they probably met at the AA meeting, and you're thinking that maybe something blossomed from there? No, I think that they got in trouble. They were There was some kind of drinking involved um, 
when he had his DUI, and maybe he goes back even further with this this troubled individual. Mm. I because Paul and Nancy they appear to have a loveless marriage. It's nothing like you and your beautiful Nancy. It's nothing even compa- like even. 10% of that. Mm. She's always in D.C. He's always in San Francisco. And so many facts about this situation with this man and how he got into the house and the way they were behaving when the cops were there and, you know, both in their underwear. And and we went through a craziness down here in Florida with this Gillum character. And thank God he yeah, never... And remember, he was the mayor of Gainesville. Yes, and uh, he was in a lot of trouble. I know, but, but uh, just for our listeners to know, he was uh, African-American, young man, well-spoken, uh, had a lot of the characteristics of uh, Barack Obama when he was younger. He could, he enticed crowds. He, he attracted a lot of crowds. He almost beat DeSantis. It was a neck-and-neck race for governor. And you're right, uh, all of a sudden he was found in a hotel room with a uh, a male prostitute, uh, they were using meth. He had passed out. The male prostitute had passed out. And uh, his entire life just uh, just was basically destroyed at that part, at least uh, that part of his political career. Although uh, nowadays uh, everybody makes a comeback, so he may well have a comeback. Uh, but you're right. Uh, there may be some uh, synergy here. You never know, right? We don't know. There was one press conference. It lasted two minutes at 1235 on Friday in the afternoon, East Coast time. And we haven't heard anything from the authorities since, have we, Valerie? No, we haven't. And um, Gillum was also under investigation with from, for the FBI while he was the mayor. And I believe it was Tallahassee or Jacksonville. I don't believe it was Gainesville, but I could be wrong. But he was under investigation with the FBI, and he was a very left-wing Democrat that would have destroyed Florida. Yes. It would have become the, the, another California or Oregon. The investigation, uh, in fact, Valerie, had to do with how he got Hamilton tickets on Broadway, which were almost impossible to get at that time. And he claimed he purchased them, and the FBI said, you're lying to us. It would have been impossible for you to purchase them. There was like months and months. People were waiting months and months. And so they said, well, what what stock, uh, excuse me, what ticket outlet did you purchase them from? And he got, he was stumbling and mumbling. So he was in a lot of trouble as far as that went. But you're right. There are some similarities here, Valerie, that some people want to dispute. Now, you will be going to a uh, night of disco in Lodi. At uh, yes. what location again? Oh, I love it. Excuse me? Or what location again? Uh, Knights of Columbus, right? In Lo- yes, the Knights of Columbus in Lodi. It's for hustle dancers, and they're phenomenal. Uh, later on, in Valerie, New York, New Jersey. you're going to hear James Golden, who thinks he's a musical impresario. Uh, right before 7 o'clock show, I'll be playing in the 5 o'clock hour how he disparaged me by claiming I know only one dance song, one dance song alone, and that's Strike It Up by Black Box, which is the most ridiculous thing he's ever said about the many ridiculous things about his lack of knowledge about music. Anyway, uh, Valerie, enjoy your trip uh, to Lodi, New Jersey. Oh, God, can you believe this? 
Broadway Bill Lee, you have 40 years of experience spinning stacks of wax disco at WCBS-FM. You're on loan to us. You know my vast knowledge of disco. And then we've got to, uh, we have to tolerate the fact that James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, makes these snide remarks like, I only know one song, Strike It Up by Black Box. By the way, an Italian group. You couldn't mention an American group like C&C, huh? That's not cola. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to uh, Shelly. Oh, excuse me. We can't go to Cat. Let me go to Shelly real quick. Shelly in Bingington, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Shelly. Hi, Curtis. I'm so glad to talk to you. I was going to say, similar to what your last two uh, callers said about the Pelosi, um, of course we hope he's, he's okay and all that, but what? Um, just like she said, when we don't know who was in the car with him with the DWI, and then on the conference they were saying he was calling out, uh, the guy was calling out, where's Nancy, where's Nancy, and they all take it as if he's going to attack Nancy. And I'm, I'm thinking now, listening to everybody, that he wanted Nancy to know what was going on mm. between well, the two of them. Wow. And when did you come to that conclusion, Shelly? Well, um, that one guy, Carl, from New Jersey, he always calls Murano show, and he gives fake names. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy because he always goes against what they say. So, you know, he'll take him on. Yeah, no, no. Carl is a contrarian, but in this case, when Carl spoke to us tonight, he seemed to be... he said, why are you coming to those conclusions? And then everybody else after that. So the the guy with the stockbroker, I didn't really fall for that one first. And then the other two ladies that called, I'm thinking, yeah, because, like, they're not giving any information. And if they were both in their underwear... I thought that he, the guy just normally ran around in his underwear, but. No, and, no, it's just the too, uh, the fact that, that both of them were in their underwear, come on. Yeah, and well, they said that he got up, Pelosi got up to go to the bathroom or he heard um, commotion and he called 911 and left it on 911. That's. That was one of the news things mm, I heard. Could have been a butt. Uh, could have been a butt call. Really, could have been a butt call. You know how that <laughs> yeah, happens all been. the time. You know, yeah. you have numbers uh, that are set in advance. Uh, yeah, but the, he left it on there so the the nine one one could hear what was going on in the house. Is what I believe. They that's what they're making uh, it sound like. I, I don't know. That's uh, guy's eighty two years old. Uh, I don't think. Especially well, knowing that he's a, he's a booze hound. He likes his booze. We saw that. That he could he could have figured that. And why? I don't know. And only a two-minute press conference, and there hasn't been one since? It's very odd, yeah. Shelley. Well, and the other thing is they're, they're going to, you know, prosecute this guy with, you know, everything through the books. But if... If someone got hit in a hammer in New York City, they'd be out of jail in a minute, right? Oh, and in San Francisco, they'd be out of jail in a minute. So I'm I'm very jaundiced and suspicious as you are, Shelley. 
I hope we get some more information tomorrow, but you know we won't. No, no, no. And I promise uh, that within 24 hours, uh, we will bring you that information, ladies and gentlemen. We are not going to sit on the sidelines on this. I'm not listening to Frank Diaz or Noam Layden or News Director because, you know, they want to sanitize everything, sanitize everything. Like Frank Morano. No. No. Our listeners and Twitter is trending. With Elon Musk now owning uh, Twitter, it's trending that this is like the Jesse Smollett attack because there's such a dearth of information. Talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Let's go, Brand. I keep it strong like I'm in Canada. Hey, let's go, Brand. Canada can't really expand. Hey, let's go, Brand. You ask questions based on Brand. Hey, hey, let's go, Brand. Hey, hey, let's go, Brand. Hey, hey, let's go, Brand. I keep it strong like I'm in Another top dance song in a lot of the clubs around the nation. Let's go, Brandon. Uh, in honor of uh, President Joe Biden. A real diss and dismiss. By the way, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, can I hear uh, cut number 18? This occurred this week. Another faux pas on behalf of President Joe Biden, who uh, definitely... His mind is going blank and blank and blank. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. Wish uh, happy birthday to a great president, uh, Giggles Harris. <laughs> it's like the sixth time he's referred to her as president of the United States. Do you think he knows something that we don't know, huh? And happy birthday, great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. Yeah. God, are we in trouble? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. By the way, join WABC and Ramsey Mazda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation on Friday, October 28th, with special guests and commentary. 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda, back to blue, Friday, October 28th. No, we will not have President Joe Biden tell us a story about how originally he was a police officer when he was uh, up in uh, Syracuse University. Remember, he was in Syracuse uh, opening up a chip factory. He probably thought it was for Lay's potato chips or Frito-Lay. And that's the university. Remember, he went to law school there where he... uh, He basically was guilty of uh, stealing a speech of Neil Kinnock, who had been the labor leader, a socialist, the coal mining uh, leader who uh, pulled the strike against Maggie Thatcher and um, basically stole his speech lock, stock, and barrel as part of a paper that he wrote in law school. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Dan in Farmingdale. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dan. Yeah, Curtis, I got a request and a question. Can you back scratch Bobby Vinton's rendition of Somebody Stole the Kiska 
to see if there's a satanic message there. Mm. And which ABC uh, jock does the term Grubashik fit the best? Ooh, wow. That's so, a Polish word. So, okay, so we got Bobby Vinton, the Polish prince, came out of Washington, Pennsylvania, same town that produced Perry Como. He idolized Perry Como, and Como, excuse me, not Como, Como, Perry Como, <laughs> and his sweaters left and lived in Long Island when he had that weekly variety show that my mother watched religiously. I think it was every Saturday night. You ever hear, have you ever heard him do whoop-de-doo? That's a great one. No, never did. You know, yeah, well, basically when my mom one time. when my I mom put right when my mom put on uh, Perry Como uh, the show the variety show I just went in my room and listened to the radio I couldn't deal with that but I know that Bobby Vinton followed him all the way out to Long Island where he was living he wanted to live nearby he wanted to be just like Perry Como so what was the second part of the request the Polish word grubaszek grubaszek. Grubashik, who does that uh, describe perfectly at, that works at WABC? Wow, Grubashik, man. That's what? the booby question for the East. Wow, that's it. So if anybody out there knows uh, the answer to that, uh, we ought to give him a booby prize or her a booby prize? I think it would be appropriate. You must have a Polish listener out there that uh, that knows what a Grubashik is. Yeah, Grubashik, wow. I hadn't heard that. I know uh, my father, who was uh, Polish, Polish-American, he taught me about the Yambos, but I never heard about the Gubasics. <sighs> I said, that's a good question. That's a good question Dan poses here in Farmingdale. What does Gubasik mean, and what does Yambo mean? You happen to be Polish out there. What is a Yambo, and what does Gubasik mean? If you nail that, you'll get a Curtis Lee will booby prize. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Deborah in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Deb. Hi, Curtis. Uh, Curtis, they're doing a lot of talking about this Paul Pelosi incident, but the cameras on the outside of the house would never lie, so why don't they just release the camera footage and show us when this man went in? And what he was wearing, correct? Yeah, you would think. There's, yeah. it, it, it's almost become uh, silence, uh, the Code of Omerta, since they had that one two-minute press conference. Yeah, we know it's a lie. We just want to see the camera footage, just like they showed us the camera footage on January 6th. Mm. So mm. give us the camera footage. I'm sure they have cameras all over their property. And let's see what, you know, what kind of underwear he was wearing when he entered the house. Huh. So, Correct. so I well, so is I, that word "gubasic" means gooey? Gooey? <laughs> yes, because there might be a gooey person that works there. Is that possible? A gooey? Per, what is the? <laughs> what is your definition of gooey? I gooey. I don't know. It's <laughs> it can be many things. Oh well. Is that like the shorter word for "gubastic" is gooey. Uh, a gooey guy. <laughs> I think uh, it could be Frank Morano, the Mama Luke. Oh no! Yeah, he's kind of. I don't know. I don't know what the word means. Yeah, uh, Gubasic. Gubasic. See, I'm, we got to find out. I know. Let's, I know let's, what. Uh, let's demand that we see the, these cameras. Yes. We want to see what's on yeah, this. Yeah, you're footage. absolutely right, Deborah. 
Why have cameras we not? Don't lie. That's right. Why have we not seen any camera footage? Why has there basically been the code of Omerta since twelve thirty-five when they had a two-minute press conference and wouldn't take any questions, and we haven't heard from any of them since? Because they're going to spin it and lie and lie and lie. Mm. We know that, correct? Deborah, you're on to something. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio seventy seven WABC. I am completely open. You know, I'm a nightlife mayor, and I like to test the product. Yeah, we all know what testing the product means. <laughs> anyway, uh, the reason we play that theme song for the Swagger Man with No Plan, he has left the Club Zero Bond at approximately one fifty-five this morning. He spent a little more than an hour and a half in which he was getting wine-dined and pocket-lined by apparently a whole stream of people. And uh, whatever happens in Club Zero Bond stays in Club Zero Bond. It is a private club. You need to pay a $10,000 membership. And when you go in, you have to check all cell phones at the door so that there is no video or no photographs. And uh, it is the place where people go uh, uh, where they got to bring the loot. Got to bring the loot, as uh, Biggie says, right? Loot, the loot, the loot. Anyway, I want all of you to uh, watch uh, the video of Pivot and Shift. It is uh, up for a daytime Emmy Award. It is so good. We went out to the streets and we actually shot this with our social media team here at WABC. It's the Pivot and Shift video. You watch the video now on 77 WABC's Twitter account at 77 WABC Radio. This is not a shelter issue. This is a humanitarian refugee migrant crisis, humanitarian crisis. And so we're going to pivot and shift as it needed. <laughs> pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. I do the boogaloo. I salsa. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. First you pivot, then you shift. And ladies and gentlemen, we now have it in video form. Stephanie uh, Bongiorno, Joe Malisi, and Gina Lemberopoulos, good Greek name, all put that together as they shot me doing pivot and shift in the streets of New York City. And as I said, it was so good, it's up for a daytime Emmy Award. Check it out at the Twitter account at 77WABC Radio. That is at 77WABC Radio. Up next, we'll talk about crime wave Kathy Hokum. Congressman Lee Zeldin as a gubernatorial race gets ever closer.
No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. And there's no stopping us right now. And there's no stopping us right now. There's no stopping us right now. I feel so close to you right now. right now and there's no stopping us right now and there's no stopping us right now I feel so close to you right now EDM electronic dance music by Calvin Harris. There's no stopping us now, and you could uh, apply that to this ever-closing race between Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb and Congressman Lee Zeldin. It seems every time they do a poll, Zeldin is inching up ever so close. Some have the differential uh, as uh, small as one or two percentage points that separates both of them. Some uh, four to six points in favor of Holcomb. But remember, that's uh, quite a difference. Quite a difference uh, since it's uh, been compared to the race between uh, Governor Pataki and Mario Fachabruta Como, King Como I. Way back in 1994, when he was seeking a unprecedented fourth term in preparation either to become president of the United States or make a run for it on the Democratic line, he always vacillated. He was the Hamlet on the Hudson, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, or to accept, as later he was offered by then-President Bill Clinton, an opportunity to become a United States Supreme Court justice, and he said no. To Bill Clinton. That's been verified by uh, both sides, both uh, Bill Clinton himself and Hillary and the uh, Cuomo family. Mario was offered the opportunity to be a United States Supreme Court justice, and he said no. So uh, we're going to do an intricate deep dive into the race with Congressman uh, Lee Zeldin and crime wave Kathy Holcomb because... Right now, it's too close to call. 
based on all the collective polls. It is far too close to call. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, Congressman Zeldin will be all over uh, the lower part of uh, New York State. Uh, later on in the day, he'll be joined, I think, in Hopog uh, by uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida. Uh, but he'll be crisscrossing everywhere. For those of you locally, he'll be at Juniper Park Valley, uh, the park that is right there in Middle Village, where Middle Village meets Glendale. He should be there at about 3.30, a huge rally for the election of uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin to become the next governor of the state of New York. The team of uh, Zeldin and Esposito is running May for lieutenant governor versus crime wave Kathy Holcomb and Delgado. I mean, nobody has seen Delgado. I mean, this guy you couldn't pick out of a, a lineup. If all of a sudden you said your life depends on you picking out the lieutenant governor candidate, the former congressman, boy, still a congressman now, Delgado, who represents the Mid-Hudson Valley, uh, you got to pick him out. And I'd say nine out of ten people wouldn't be able to pick him out, including Democrats, hardcore Democrats. But anyway, that's uh, that's how the race has shaped up. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Just as a reminder, since people are comparing it to the 1994 upset of George Pataki against Mario Facha Bruta Como as he was going for his fourth term. Up until, um, hmm, up until about October 31st of 1994, the New York Times had George Pataki down by 10 points. On November 3rd of 1994, the Daily News, New York Daily News, had George Pataki down by 14 points. He ended up winning the race 48% to 45%. And Tom Galassano, that's the other difference in that race uh, compared to this, a uh, uber millionaire who owned Paycheck, the company, uh, uh, that was very similar to what Ross Perot did down in Fort Worth, uh, Texas. It would uh, send out uh, paychecks and do it on behalf of corporations all over America. So he was the CEO, owner and operator of Paycheck in Rochester, New York, when it was Rochester instead of what it is now, Rochester. And Galassano was running on the Independence Line, which at that time was the party of uh, Newman and Falani. Eventually, uh, Frank McKay would take over. But he was polling at about 5 to 7%. I think ultimately, uh, when all was said and done, he won 4% of the vote. Uh, that's probably a vote that would have gone to George Pataki. And he spent $15 million. And almost every ad was an attack on George Pataki, the challenger who had the Republican and the conservative line. Uh, Mario Facha Bruta Como had the Democratic line and the liberal line. And then Tom Galassano had the Independence Party line. Well, almost every TV ad that Galassano took, it seemed like he was riding shotgun for Como's re-election. So a vote for Galassano is really taking a vote away from Pataki. Fifteen million. Then he ran again against Pataki four years later on the Independence Party line. Even though Pataki was already the governor, he spent $40 million. 
Then he ran uh, in 2002 against George Pataki again on the independent side, and he spent $80 million. <sighs> now, you see, that doesn't exist now. We don't have any third-party candidates. First time in a long, long time in an election involving the gubernatorial uh, a situation that we haven't had a separate third-party candidate running. And that's because of Andrew Evilized Cuomo, the son of Mario Fracha Brota Cuomo, King Cuomo I. Andrew Cuomo, in his desire to have a uh, blood feud and a vendetta against the Working Families Party, how dare they endorse Cynthia Nixon for the governorship? Uh, it was Andrew Evilized Cuomo who beat uh, Cynthia Nixon soundly in the Democratic primary, but he held it against the Working Families Party for giving her their line uh, and helping her try to topple Andrew Cuomo. So he decided to raise the standards of how a third party can maintain uh, online ballot access. I was the uh, chairman of the New York State Reform Party. You had the Libertarian Party that had uh, online ballot access, the Green Party the Independence Party that was led by Frank McKay at that time. And you had some other third parties. So New York State was known as a party of third parties. And quite frankly, the Republicans would benefit because they always needed a independent line. Uh, something that Lee Zeldin was not able to get this uh, time because when he collected signatures, about 11,000 of them were proven to be copies of signatures. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Oh, man, uh, a guy named David Soros, the uh, Soros-funded DA up in Albany County, who has been extraordinarily liberal or progressive, but even he is challenging the uh, no-cash-bail system, saying it's created so many problems and hasn't really solved any in his Albany County area, where they've had a tremendous increase in crime, drive-by shootings, people getting shot south end, Arbor Hill, in... Uh, Albany, it's a city of just what, like almost 100,000 people. And then the surrounding county, Colony and other areas, uh, the crime has increased. So he's no longer on board with uh, no cash bail. No, no, no. He's uh, He said nope to that. But it's very interesting because uh, you had a situation in which uh, Lee Zeldin was trying to get an independent line. And... Uh, Oh, there were 11,000 signatures copied that were not legitimate signatures. We'll see where that goes. There is a threat of a grand jury on that and potential prosecution. We'll see exactly where that goes. But if we look back in time, since everybody is saying, oh, it's very similar to when George Pataki upset Mario Cuomo. It is in some ways, but it's not in other ways, Broadway Bill Lee. People that come up to me and they say, yeah, yeah, I, I remember watching the debate between Mario Facha Prota Cuomo, King Cuomo I, and George Pataki, who was a state senator at that time. They never debated. They never debated. Oh, yes, I remember I saw Pataki, you know, he's tall guy, right, right, it was Mario. No, no, they never debated. Mario Cuomo, just like his son ended up doing when he uh, was running for governor, insisted that if there were to be a debate, all the third-party candidates would have to be on the same stage. So he attended the debate at New York 1. 
Just like this uh, debate with Lee Zeldin and Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb occurred at New York One, studios of New York One, which was at uh, uh, the college uh, downtown across from City Hall, uh, which was uh, Pace. By the way, they had nobody in the audience. Schmucks, putzes, the uh, pandemic is over. Uh, the president has said the pandemic is over. Uh, 18,000 people can pack Madison Square Garden nut to butt to listen to Billy Joel once a month, right? Uh, many of them not wearing masks, but you can't have a debate with an audience because you fear COVID-19. How ridiculous. So there was no audience for Zeldin and Crime Life Kathy Holcomb the other day at Pace University, downtown Manhattan, across from City Hall. That was Udiscraziata. That was a Shanda. Knock it off. The pandemic is over. That was one. In that year, 1994, New York One hosted the debate. George Pataki would not go with Mario Cuomo and all the third-party candidates. Instead, in fact, if I remember correctly, on that same night, George Pataki sat for an hour interview with Marsha Kramer on Channel 2, which has more of a radius. Obviously, CBS and Channel 2 can be seen by more people than people who have cable and have to subscribe to New York One, which is now owned by Spectrum. Back then, it was Time Warner. So George Pataki, actually, his strategy worked because Mario Cuomo is a damn good debater. And if Mario had decided to go one-on-one, he probably would have beat George Pataki. I don't understand that strategy on the part of Mario Facha Brota Cuomo uh, inherited by his son, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, that if they debate, they have to have every third party represented. It makes no sense. You would do that if you uh, lacked forensic debate skills. But Mario Cuomo was an effective debater. He had debated when he was running for mayor. And then he got into a runoff with Ed Koch. He lost the runoff to Ed Koch, but he had to sit for many debates back then. He ran for governor. He beat Ed Koch in the Democratic primary. He had to sit for many debates. I, to this day, cannot figure that out. So when people come up and they say, oh, no, just like Pataki, Pataki debated Mario Cuomo. No. Yeah, but they had a debate on New York One. Yes. But it was just then uh, Governor Cuomo versus the independent candidates. (laughs) You see, you got to know your history. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Norman, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Norman. Yeah, hi, Curtis. Actually, the reason why I'm calling you is I'm inviting you today. Uh, Kathy Hochul is going to have a rally on 160th Street and the Grand Parkway. Up there in the Bronx, and I know you know that area very well, and um, I would love for you to attend. Well, now, what time is uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb's press conference and uh, rally uh, with the Democrat supporters of hers? Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm saying, what what time is it, Norman? It's at 1130 in the morning. Ah, you see, uh, difficult, I'll be actually um, campaigning. Believe it or not, Norman, with a Republican running for the assembly seat in the Hell's Kitchen area, his last name is Mafia at that very time. Yes, his last name is Mafia. That takes a lot for me. 
to campaign for a guy named Mafia, although he has no affiliation with the Mafia. He His last name is Mafia. Yeah. So if you happen to be in that area of the, what I'll call the lower upper west side, the Hell's Kitchen area, all that, for assembly, that's the old Gottfried seat. Gottfried had been there forever, the most progressive, liberal, old time in there. You got to vote for Mafia on the Republican conservative line. And look, I'm going to vote for him. I'm going to close my eyes because this week would have been the birthday of John Gotti Sr., who tried to have me killed, who was a member of the Mafia. Mm-hmm. But 11.30, and they will be meeting at 160th and the Grand Concourse, which is right near Concourse Village. Uh, do you know who else will be joining her? You know what? I'm not exactly certain she's going to be there because she was supposed to be on Sunday on the Upper West Side at 72nd and Broadway. And I've got some good inside information. I, me and the uh, a large contingent of anti-mandate people and uh, Zeldin supporters, uh, we got there early. And uh, I got a mole in the Democratic Party, and they informed me that she was on the way to that rally, and uh, she didn't show. Uh, we, we saw Tish James. We saw Jerry Nadler, uh, Gail Brewer. Uh, Brad Lander, and we booed the hell out of them. And um, we had so much more Zeldin people uh, than uh, Hochul supporters. Uh, I just don't see it. I see no energy on their part, and I'm really curious how many people are actually going to show up tomorrow. Uh, I have a strange feeling there are going to be just as many uh, Zeldin supporters. Um, you know, we've had three years of being really angry. And uh, we're showing up, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't see, I don't see much energy for her. Um, and uh, hopefully, that will carry through to a Zeldin win. But uh, well, well, this is know, this it, is the change, Norman. Um, the Working Families Party, which has given her their line in the Democratic primary, they had supported the public advocate Jumani Williams against her. So they. There's not a lot of support for her from the Working Families Party or from AOC All Out Crazy, the Democratic Socialists of America. But they had a sit-down meeting when those polls were coming out and showing uh, Zeldin creeping up to the point now you can't you can't call it. It's a coin flip. And they mm-hmm. have pledged to get their boots on the ground and get their vote out because they don't want Zeldin. You know, they're using the Trump card now. They're saying a vote for Zeldin is like a vote for Trump. Hold your nose and vote for Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb uh, against Lee Zeldin. So, you see, Zeldin may have crested a little too early. He would have caught the Democrats sleeping if this had been a week later, you know, and he was cresting right before November 8th. But now they got about 10 days to get their troops out. Now, the question is, will the unions be able to get their membership to vote for Kathy Holcomb, I say no. No. But will the Working Families Party that has to get a certain number of votes uh, to maintain online status for their gubernatorial candidate, and in this case, Kathy Holcomb, they have to get votes out for her or they'll lose their online ballot status, which would mean we'd only have a conservative party as a third party. So I think they know how to get a vote out. They're mobilized. They're uh, idealistic. Well, they, 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 you can't take that for granted. 
Uh, I don't know. Emperor ain't wearing any clothes. Today I was uh, standing outside of uh, the Long Island Railroad Station on 34th Street with uh, four other Zeldonites. And uh, I had a bullhorn, and I was yelling, Zeldin, Zeldin. And you know what? Pretty much everybody entering that entrance was going, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Very little resistance. Very little resistance wherever I go. Um, you know, against the Zeldin people. That's a, that's uh, a good, that's Zeldin. a good sign because, as you know, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb has spent millions trying to tag him with January six, not signing right. off on the election, right. one of ten congressmen, uh, being a trumper. Obviously, the abortion right. issue. She's pounded away on that, and uh, it's apparently not having the negative effect that she had hoped it would have. Mm-hmm. That nope, means people are not. people are keeping an open mind because whereas when Zeldin first announced that he would run and then he had to go through a uh, brutal primary process, I mean, he was getting hit by Wilson, Astorino, Giuliani. He lost all three of those debates against them, but he still won because the 62-county chairman endorsed him, so they knew how to get their vote out, beat uh, Andrew by about 20 percentage points. Then he started to, you know, sort of put his team together and start raising money because he had spent all of his money in the primary to make sure that he had the nomination. And now he's in a groove. He's in a really good groove. Uh, but people got to come out and vote. My fear is, uh, Norman, in the most recent poll that was done, an internal poll that I had access to, people upstate, where, where they're going to come out for Zeldin. That's going to be all red. They're not showing signs of coming out in large numbers, which you would say, what? You got a chance to elect a Republican governor. You got to come out in the same numbers you did when Pataki upset Mario Cuomo in 1994. And the other thing that shocked Mario Cuomo was he lost Erie County by five percentage points to Pataki. Now, remember, Mario is not from Erie County. He's from New York City, Queens. The difference here is Kathy Coyne Holcomb has brought the bacon home to Erie County first with the Buffalo News Stadium. That's a billion dollars. And even though people down here don't like it, they love it up there. And she's been the sugar mama to Erie County for both Democrats and Republicans, giving them all kinds of grants. She's been giving them tchotchkes. So hopefully Zeldin can pull off a victory in Erie County. If he loses Erie County, the way Mario Cuomo lost Erie County against Pataki, that's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. That's 15% of the vote right there in Erie County. Well, I phone banked for Zeldin, and, uh, you know, we hit most of the areas that we're phone banking is upstate New York. Good. Um, I I hear a lot of people who don't want to – they don't want to speak. They're scared that if they – they're scared that if they uh, if they give an answer, they say to me, "Oh, I'm voting for Zelda men, but I'm not taking the I'm not taking the survey." They're all scared that they're going to get uh, audited by the IRS, and I, I hear a lot of that stuff going on. Wow! But, um, wow! So they yeah, actually they, are telling you, as you're calling on behalf of Congressman Zeldin for governor. Uh, exactly. I think if if I participate, uh, that I'm going to be audited by all these new IRS agents that came in this recent package of legislation. Right. Numerous people have told me that. Wow. Um, very few people that I hit on are saying, uh, you know, 
Oh, you know, I'm voting for Hochul. Uh, they, I'm not hearing it. I'm not seeing no love there no, for Hochul. No, no, that's why uh, that Calvin Harris uh, song I use, uh, There's No Stopping Us Now, Feeling So Close, is that mm-hmm. we? It, it is getting close. The one thing that Zeldin must do is he must get more than 30% of the vote in New York City. Now, that's what I got in the mayoral election. Uh, he's got to do a little better than that, uh, I would well, say. You, you unfortunately, you got screwed because the Post didn't endorse you. Right. <laughs> and that, that sucked. And, um, you know, uh, uh, you know um, anyway. Uh, well, this, is, this is the key. This is the key, cool. Norman. And maybe you can get this across to the other Zeldin supporters. Uh, forget Brooklyn. Brooklyn is going to go for uh, Hochul. Bronx will go for Hochul. Manhattan is now the most liberal progressive of all boroughs. It'll go for Hochul. He's got a chance to win Queens because when I ran, I won Southern Queens, which was the Rockaways, the Irish Riviera, Broad mm-hmm. Channel, Howard Beach. Right. Then I won Middle Queens, which was Middle Village, Glendale, and Massabit. Then I won Northern Queens, which was Whitestone, Bayside, College Point, and Flushing, uh, won the Asian vote for the first time any mayor won. So I think his best opportunity uh, to really get a good vote other than Staten Island, but that's only 5% of the city vote, mm-hmm. is in Queens. He can really right. pull it out there because I've seen a lot, a lot of interest for Zelda there, a lot of signs for Zelda there that I haven't seen in Brooklyn, the Bronx. Obviously, you're not going to see signs well, in Manhattan. Can- I think you'd like to hear this, Curtis. I live in Canarsie. I live on yes. 105th Street yes. between M and N. And I have a Zeldin sign on my lawn for three months already. My next door neighbor, he has a Zeldin sign on his mm. lawn. Mm. Nobody has messed with that. Yes. I figured, oh, here in Canarsie, here in Blue Canarsie, right? Oh, somebody's going to pull my sign off. Nothing, Curtis. Well, that's, that's great. Now, now, let's go through it. So tomorrow, if you want to participate in uh, being counter the Hochul uh, gathering at 1130, they're meeting at 106th in Grand Concourse in the Bronx. 160th. So try to be there at 11 o'clock if you want to attend that. Uh, Zeldin, though, will be in Queens at Juniper Valley Park, which is right in uh, the heart of Middle Village, he'll be there at 3.30. Obviously, I can't join you tomorrow, Norman. I'm going to be okay. with uh, the Assembly candidate Mafia, <laughs> right. who's, who's running in the old Godfrey District in the west side. And then uh, at 3.30, I'm on the air with uh, Left versus Right with Anthony Weiner, so I can't be in Middle right. Village. But, yeah, no, no, I, I, if you can call back tomorrow night, 24 hours later. I will, Curtis. Give us an idea of what happened there, and others will call in and tell us how the rally for Zeldin, with Zeldin there, and his running mate Esposito went in Middle Village uh, later this afternoon at uh, 3.30. So we'll go back to back, belly to belly, knowing what happened with Hochul's rally again. 11.30 in the morning, Grand Concourse, uh, right, uh, right on the lip of the Bronx County Courthouse. And then, obviously, in Middle Village, Juniper Park Valley. Uh, great park there. Uh, right in the heart of Middle Village. Uh, 3.30, the rally is scheduled there. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. 
The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers here on WABC many, many years ago. I won't back down. Former Blast from the past, Steve Malsberg would play this, I believe, as his theme song. The great broadcaster from Brooklyn went to junior high school. Of, what was that? I'm trying to remember the name of the high school. I don't know if it's near Avenue R or U. Down there along the... Ocean Parkway down in that area, Sheepshead Bay. And uh, just had a fabulous career in broadcasting. Uh, was uh, <laughs> the phone screener for Art Rush Jr. Oh, yeah, Art Rush did sports at WABC at nights. I think it was like 7 or 9. <laughs> and he was constantly uh, looking to snore money from the listeners because he was a degenerate bat, uh, gambler, horse track. So uh, he would tell Steve Malsberg, who was the phone screener, hey, tell that guy to hold on until the break. And then the guy was all excited. Oh, Art wants to talk to me. Oh, during the break. And he said, hey, guy, could you spot me 250 I'll have it for you in a month. In fact, the guy would come down wanting Art Rush Jr. to give him the money. And uh, he'd call up, hey, Art, what happened to that 250 and then all of a sudden, Art would, like, hang up on the guy. The guy would be waiting outside of Madison Square Garden, 2 Ben Plaza, and Art Russ would slip out the back way. He's a degenerate gambler. And poor Steve, he had to basically uh, <laughs> deal with all these angry callers who got ripped off. By the way, Art Russ Jr., I remember, was always talking about the New York Giants even though they had become the San Francisco Giants long before that. But he was a Willie Mays fan, true and true, number 24. But a degenerate gambler, man, big time. See what you learn here when you uh, listen to the Curtis Lee show? But Steve Malsberg, he had a good run many years. He did sports. He did politics. And probably uh, the best show he did is when they teamed him up with Richard Bay. And for a year, it was magic. I mean, they talked movies, they talked culture, they talked concerts. Of course, they talked politics. Steve was on the right. Uh, Richard Bay was on the left. And then all of a sudden, uh, like a lot of teams in radio and TV, it just disintegrated after a year. And they couldn't even sit in the same room together. And then Steve went on to Newsmax, had a great career there. Richard Bay moved down to Florida, did some radio down there, but... uh, when they were teamed together at first, it was like uh, 6 to 7 at night. Uh, that was basically drive time. 
That night, for one hour, it was great radio that first year. It was magnificent. I remember Richard Bay would also talk with his father and do movie reviews with his dad. You see, you can't just do politics all the time. Hey, Biden sucks. Trump is God, right? Enough already, I read. By the way, a little news on the Trump side. As you know, I've had a love-hate relationship with Donald Trump going over 30 years. But uh, they're having a rally for Marco Rubio in Miami. He's got a tough race, Marco Rubio. Little Marco is having a rally, trying to get the Republican voters out. The big uh, Republican draw in Florida is not Trump any longer. It's DeSantis, and Trump does not want him at that rally. Now, come on. It's all for the good of the party, but that's the problem with Trump. It's a lot of I and me stuff. So uh, later on today, out in Hopak, I think about six, seven, or eight, I'm not quite sure, out in Long Island, uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida, possible presidential uh, candidate in the Republican primary, will be joining Congressman Lee Zeldin, who has been endorsed by Trump, but has been endorsed by DeSantis. Uh, <laughs> come on, guys. Man, is that petty. Hey, look, DeSantis is going to run. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And Trump is going to run. Uh, so let him battle it out in the primaries. But, man, you need you need your top guns here. It's going to be a close election, especially when it comes to the Senate. And little Marco Rubio is running against a woman. This will be a booby prize. Who is he running against that is representing uh, the Democratic Party uh, for the U.S. Senate? She's African-American, former police commissioner uh, in uh, Orange County. I mean, in uh, Orlando, which obviously is in Orange County. Her husband uh, was uh, in charge of the Orange County Police Department. She was in charge of the Orlando Police Department. And she went on to become a congressman and congresswoman. And, man, she's a good campaigner. Man, I had a meeting with her one time. It was like an hour and a half, and we did not see eye to eye. We did not see eye to eye. We were talking about our patrols, the Guardian Angel patrols. It still exists there in Orlando. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Orange Blossom Trail. bunch of uh, low-budget no-tell motels. Uh, crackheads at that time in the uh, time in 88, crack hit Orlando hard. And man, it was some neighborhoods there. And then uh, in Orange County itself, although she didn't have uh, jurisdiction there, her husband did. It was Pine Hills, a.k.a. Crime Hills. We went in, the sheriff's deputy stayed out, and they had tracer shots going right over my head. The gangs were shooting at one another. We happened to be in between them. Rough. Any of you aware of what her name is, you'll win a Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. But she is giving a very difficult time to uh, little Marco Rubio. He's pretty good on his feet. Uh, obviously, uh, very intelligent on uh, international affairs. Uh, very much like uh, Bobby Menendez. Hell, by the way, Bobby Menendez up for indictment again, that crook of all crooks, that capo di tutti, so crooked in the cloakroom of the U.S. Senate he is. He gets wine dined in pocket line. A lot of them are crooks, but he is the crooked most <laughs> guy that will, will do anything for a dollar. 
And apparently the U.S. attorney for the Southern District is going to indict him a second time. And we'll see if Dominic Carter comes to his aid. Dominic, who uh, actually covered the first trial against Bobby Menendez, the U.S. senator, in Newark Federal Court on political corruption with the evil Dr. Melgin, the ophthalmologist who uh, swindled Medicare for millions of dollars, more so than any other doctor in the history of Medicare. And what he would do is, down in Florida, he had his offices in Jupiter, in North Palm, and in uh, Riviera Beach. So he had the seniors come in, they had uh, cataracts and they had other problems with their sight, and he would shoot water into their eye with a needle and then collect Medicare dollars on what was a placebo, a bogus shot. Millions protected by Senator Bobby Menendez. And now he has his son, Rob Menendez, running for his old congressional district, uh, the evil seed of that corruption uh, center. The Hudson County Democratic machine that Bobby Menendez, the competitivity of all crooked senators, is in charge of as they battle the uh, crooked Democratic leader from down in Camden County. If you happen to know his name, as they try to elect the next governor after a half-in-the-bag Murphy, they want Fulop, also a graduate of Goldmine Sachs, Jersey City Mayor, over my dead body. The next uh, governor, since Murphy uh, is term-limited, Although before he's term limited, really Joe Biden should send him to be ambassador to Italy since he spends half his time at his palazzo, his $38 million mansion. But he is term limited, thank God, and uh, there's no doubt Jack Vitarelli will become the next governor. He barely lost. Great candidate on the Republican side. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Anna in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Anna. Hello, Curtis. Yes, Anna. I have the answer for your Grubashiki. Ooh, okay. So let's reframe it. Uh, a caller uh, guy had put me on the mark by asking me, and what was the name of that Polish word again? Gruba is fat. Gruba is fat. And Grubaski is chubby or fatty. And he asked me which host or hostess here at WABC uh, that definition in Polish would fit. Uh, I was not aware of that Polish word. I was thinking of Yambo. So I would say that would, that, that, I, let's face it, that fits uh, Mama Luke Frank Morano, right? <laughs> Am I right or wrong? Uh, I don't know how how thin or fat Frank is. Well, he's a little bit on the chubsy wubsy side. <laughs> you know, well, the look, word would fit. Yeah, I know, but look, look at his diet. He he drinks wine. He loves wine, and he loves fromage cheese. And you know how cheese can pack it on. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy. I mean, if you put out a plate full of cheese. And there were like 12 people there. Like, say, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, was there, and he, he, likes, he likes cheddar cheese. Frank would take the cheese, not only stuff it in his mouth, but put it in his pockets, too. Well, not only cheese, but he likes egg salad. That's not exactly, you know, diet food. Well, you know what he does? He brings in egg salad on, uh, actually, Monday morning. He's on 1 to 5. 
He leaves it in the refrigerator because he knows that a lot of those that work behind the scenes get hungry. And I mean, there have been cases of ptomaine poisoning, salmonella, (laughs) all from that, that damn egg salad that he brings. And it's really nasty. Really nasty, Hannah. I hope he's not feeding that to a little baby Carmine who's expected to be about one on Thanksgiving. In a a day or two uh, before Thanksgiving, he's going to be one years old. I I hope not. I hope he doesn't feed him any egg salad. He's a little young for that. It's the worst. I got to tell you, the worst egg salad. And he, he claims his aunt makes it, you know, and then he's stuffing his mouth in between his programs uh, Monday through Friday from 1 to 5, the worst of the other side of midnight, eating egg salad, and then he leaves the bowl behind, you know, the Tupperware bowl. He, does, he doesn't even burp the bowl. you got to burp the bowl to keep it fresh. He doesn't even burp the bowl of Tupperware. So Luke said to this woman, Rachel, it's my final wish as a WABC employee for you to try Aunt Camille's egg salad. And Rachel said, I don't want to try it. I've never had egg salad. I don't know what to expect. It's not my thing. Luke said, please, this is the only thing I want. I don't want a gold watch. I'm forfeiting the rights to my, um, you know, to my retirement package. I don't want any sort of golden parachute. All I want to do is see you enjoy this egg salad. So, God, Anna. I guess he thinks it's really good, huh? Horrible. It really is. Have you ever had it? Yeah, unfortunately, and I got sick. <laughs> I really did. I got oh. violently sick. I was projectile vomiting from that. Oh, my goodness. And see, what he does is it's a lure. He leaves it in there. He doesn't burp it. He leaves it in the Tupperware, and then he leaves a sleeve of rich crackers right next to that in the refrigerator so you can dip it, you know, with the rich crackers. I got to tell you, I got sucked into it. And, Anna, I'd rather have chronic Crohn's disease again because, man, my stomach went upside down all around. Oh, poor Curtis, so am I. <laughs> yeah, but, see, Frank does it purposely. He's actually announced on the airwaves that he knows that Avery is going to eat and get sick. He knows that Broadway Bill Lee from our staff here is going to nosh and get sick. And he specifically puts it out because he knows me. I'll nosh. And, boy, I did get sick, violently sick. Then why would he do that? He's vengeful. Remember, he's Sicilian. He's a cheech. He's a zip. My grandfather, Fidela Bianchino, Bades, told me never trust the cheeches and zips, the Sicilianos. They can't be trusted. Um, some sad news for uh, people that work on this floor. I have finished what was left of uh, my Aunt Camille's egg salad. It is pizza day here on um, the other side of midnight. I did buy uh, several pizza pies for our staff here. And uh, the pizza was okay. It was, it was from a, a joint that we hadn't tried before. And I did um, the method that I described previously. After eating the pizza pie itself, I used the crust that was remaining from the pizza pie oh, to no. make a little oh, mini no. egg salad sandwich, sort of dip oh, the crust God. after the pizza was consumed <laughs> in the egg salad itself. And um, I got to tell you, that might be 
the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. It was phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. Did what I mean, Anna? And by the way, he didn't pay for the pizzas. He's got alligator arms. He never pays for anything. He snored the pizzas. Uh, you know, he went out on Highland Boulevard, Staten Island, and he said, oh, I'll talk about your pizzas. Uh, if you can uh, be kind enough, give me about pe- six pizzas. I'd like to take them in at WABC. He snored the peaches because he's an old classic snorer and mentioned the guy's name like maybe once. Maybe once. Well, I remember a long time ago, Frank was talking about he he was going to a second wedding for some couple. And he had said, he had asked his wife, should they have gotten back the gift that they gave the bride the first time she was married? because she shouldn't have gotten a second one because the first marriage didn't take. So he didn't want to give a gift to her the second time. He claims he's frugal, but he's a real cheapskate. He's got alligator arms. I got to tell you, it's... Uh, and then he invites people to dinner, right, Anna? He invites, oh, you might miss the big stuff. He'll invite Avery to dinner. He'll invite Broadway Billy here for dinner. He'll invite his staff. And then all of a sudden he'll act like he just got an emergency call. He's got to do an interview or book a guest or deal with some problem that little Carmine has. And he leaves the bill behind. They all have to go Dutch and pitch in for it, including pay his share. Oh, jeez. He does this all the time. Everybody knows it's going to happen. He invites people to breakfast, lunch, dinner. And, you know, before 12 noon, he's had six martinis. He's stiff to the wind. And everybody else pays for it. He's a mooch. Well. No other way of describing it, Anna. Alligator arms. The guy, if if you said, hey, can I borrow a quarter? I'm sorry, I got alligator arms. I can't even reach into my pockets. But he likes to go to Atlantic City. Oh, but he snores that. You see, what he does, this is the trick, Anna. He, he invites the listeners to go to the Borgata to shoot craps with him. And in shooting craps with him, they lose a lot of money. And so he loses nothing because it's all on the house. It's sort of like he's the, he's the, the he's the, uh, the, the cheese in the uh, trap for the gamblers. They come, they lose all their money. Frank ends up getting an old pair free of charge to take care of Carmine while he's gambling. Rachel gets an expense account so that she can, sh- Shop till the, she drops. Uh, we got. Wow. That's something else. That's some, some racket, huh? Yeah, and he, and he gives lessons on shooting crap and how to lose. So the board gotta loves him because they've never had this many people shooting craps before at the Borgata. And then he talks about he's the only white guy, only Howley who can play baccarat, you know, against the Chinese. And so, naturally, uh, oh, man, the Borgata loves that because Chinese, they pack it in. They pack it in. They work like 12 hours a day. They jump on the bus, and they go to the Borgata. You see how he snores free stuff, Anna? I guess I guess uh, he saves his money for going out. Oh, no, he claims, oh, it's mortgage payments. You know, mortgages are going up, you know, inflation going up. He's just in the old neighborhood 
We used to call those kind of guys cheapskates. If they got successful at what they did, then they, yes, you say they're, they're frugal. Yeah. They're frugal because they know how to watch their money. That's how they were able to make money. Problem is with Frank Frank Morano, he's always pleading poverty. He's always pleading poverty. Stay on the line, mm-hmm. Anna, because you've won yourself a booby prize. Avery, please take care of Anna in New Jersey. Make sure that you expedite her information to Jake the Snake Roberts, who is the director of Merch, who always lies to me. I saw him again Monday morning. Uh, uh, how many? Oh, 18. 18 winners. Uh, and you got it out already? It's 10 o'clock in the morning. You've been here an hour. Oh, I already called them all. I emailed them the information. I uh, FedExed it. What a bull feather thrower that Jake the Snake Roberts is, the director of merchandise here at WABC. All night long, this is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Start my mission, leave my residence, thinking how I could I get some dead presidents. I need money. I used to be a stick-up kid, so I think of all the devious things I did. I used to roll up. This is a hole-up. Ain't nothing funny. Stop smiling. You still don't nothing move but the money. But now I learn to earn because I'm righteous. I feel great, so maybe I might just search for a nine Looks like if uh, Lee Zeldin is able to hold back a surge of Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb as she... Uh, Makes nice to uh, AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, to get the Democratic Socialists out there busting their shoes on her behalf and the Working Families Party as she's hoping for a surge of uh, involvement on her side, which has been pretty morbid, pretty dead. And then the unions trying to get out their membership uh, for early voting that starts in just a few hours. Uh, she thinks that's the recipe to uh, victory, for victory. And meantime, uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin, he knows that his easy pass to victory is on the crime issue from Buffalo to Brooklyn. And if he does win as governor, he has one person and one person alone to thank for that. And that's Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, who actually has done worse in dealing with crime than Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, did in eight years, having taken a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball and destroyed the city that we love. Up next, we're going to be talking about the swagger man with no plan as he uh, has come up with convoluted excuses why we're having so much crime. How he's saying it's our perception, it's not the analytics, and how he will do anything he can to help Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb until November 8th when the votes are tallied. And hopefully we'll have a brand new governor, Congressman Lee Zeldin. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. tell you I met a shorty there, but I can't say that on TV. <laughs> theme song of Mr. Party Hardy, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, because that's all he's telling people wherever he goes, show me the money, show me the money, I don't get paid enough, can I hear that again, can I give that an amen, show me the money, show me the money, that's what it's all about. We deserve more money. We deserve to be paid for the job we're doing. Senator Adams, I believe you made your point in two minutes. How do you vote? I deserve a raise. You deserve who got? Who got? Who got some cool? You deserve bupkis.
And he was hitting the dance floor at Club Zero Bond, according to uh, my little rats uh, who worked there. He came in at about uh, 12, 15, a little after we came on the air, and left at about uh, 1.55 this morning to raise the roof, drink his, uh, as he says he likes, the... Uh, Actually loves the tequila. If anybody out there knows the uh, tequila that Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, likes, it's American made. Give a call and you too will get a booby prize. 1 800 848 9222. The tequila most preferred by Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, when he's at Club Zero Bond till the break of dawn, getting wined, dined, and pocket lined. You know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> all about the swagger. Oh, 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 But you know what? There was a guy right at the start of Eric Adams' administration. He had no idea. In fact, if you could... Uh, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, I want to play this guy because he's no longer with Saturday Night Live, but when he was, just about a month after Eric Adams took office as the mayor, Chris Redd was uh, imitating him, remember, on Saturday Night Live? Uh, if you can give me number eight, Chris Redd, Saturday Night Live. He was up there on stage, all pimped out. Like uh, Shaft, he's a bad mother, watch your mouth. Like Superfly TNT from the days of the black exploitation movies. And he was imitating Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. Uh-oh, it's me, Eric Adams. And don't adjust your television set. I am this handsome, you understand? <laughs> Spring is sprung, New York. And I'm also sprung, too, looking at all these baddies and sundresses. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm just playing, unless you like that. <laughs> but for real, this Easter, I got the best news of all New York. We got him. We got the shooter. Sure, it took 30 hours, and the suspect turned himself in, but we got him. Case closed. Subway's fixed, ride without fear. And I'm not just holding a press conference about this either. I'm throwing a parade, y'all. Like we do when the Yankees win the World Series or when the Mets finish the season. <laughs> let me do, let me tell you something. Since then, he predicted the uh, Mets would go on into the World Series. They crashed and burned against San Diego Padres and uh, Manny Machado, who I hate, in the preliminary playoffs. And then he predicted that my beloved Yankees would make it into the World Series, and uh, they got through Cleveland. They'll always be the Indians to me. But they got trounced by Houston, which uh, tonight I was so happy. Philadelphia came back. It was 5 nothing down in Houston. Verlander on the mound. That's their ace. He was throwing bullets, 95, 96, 97 miles an hour. And the lineup led by Harper, who definitely is their MVP. He's sort of their Mickey Mantle although he was uh, DHing, uh, They couldn't uh, catch up with Verlander's fastball the first three innings. So what did they do, which the Yankees don't do and haven't done? 
They gave up hitting the long ball, and they said, let's just make contact with Verlande. We can't get around on him. Let's go the opposite way. And they started with singles and doubles, singles and doubles, taking the extra base. And all of a sudden, 5 nothing Houston was 5-5 five, five Phillies. And then they stayed that way until the 10th inning. And then the Phillies won in Houston, 6-5. Both of them have great bullpens. Boy, this is going to be a really good World Series. Problem here is uh, Broadway Bill Lee. Whenever the Phillies have won a World Series, there's been a recession that followed. <laughs> and this is tough for uh, President Joe Biden because when you live in Delaware, you're naturally Philly fans because Philly is so close. That's really like your your closest big city other than Wilmington, which has no Major League Baseball. And in Baltimore, which is south of you, when I've been to Delaware and Wilmington, they're Philly fans. So you can imagine Joe Biden, right, would invite them to the White House at the very point that a recession would come crashing through because the Philadelphia Phillies have a very good opportunity of winning this World Series. Anyway, uh, Chris Redd, right? Friend of Eric Adams, who imitated Eric Adams at Saturday Night Live, got cold cocked, walking into a comedy club on McDougal Street, 9.45 at night. He was going to do a, like a 15, 20-minute set. This guy comes up wearing a security outfit with another guy. They grab his gold chain around his neck, pull it off his neck, cold cock him, break his nose, and actually get away. No arrests made. Now, you know there are cameras all along McDougal Street in the village. And yet, they still haven't made an arrest. So, Chris Red, you think your friend Eric Adams, the swagger man, came to your aid? No. In fact, Eric Adams said when uh, a mayor has swagger, the city has swagger. Which is become- when a mayor has swagger, the city has swagger. <laughs> Notice they laugh. They laugh. Oh, my God, we're in trouble. We are in deep trouble. This guy has no idea. Anyway, let's go to Frankie, who's calling all the way from Philadelphia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frankie. Hey, Curtis. Frankie, uh, you heard all my kind words about your Philadelphia Phillies? Oh, yes, yes. I got to tell grew up you, actually, two blocks from the stadium. I grew up on Broden Porter. Oh, so you? So I was you, right there. Wow! I, I got to tell you that that is an outstanding baseball team. They played the fundamentals. They didn't give up. They could have easily packed it in. They were down five nothing to one of the best pitchers in baseball, Verlander, and they just nickled and dimed their way back. Single, single, double. Take the extra base. Go the opposite way. The Yankees would never do that. They were constantly swinging for the fences. You can't hit home runs off this guy, Verlander. Nah. Now he was showing them up high, 97 miles an hour. He can't get around on that. No, no. So they laid off that, and they just stuck their wood out, let the ball go into right field, left field, center field. They played good old-fashioned, punching Judy baseball. And I got to tell you, they came back uh, from losing game one, which then they probably would have lost game two because the momentum would have been Houston in Houston. They did a great job. Let me, let me compliment you on that, Frankie. Oh, thank you. I was at the uh, World Series when the Yankees played the Phillies in 08 for game one. 
with Cliff Lee. They won 6-1. But I'm a Yankees fan. I got a room, actually my weight room, boxing room, is uh, all pinstriped out. My wife did it with my daughter, and uh, they did a fantastic job. I got Jesus 3000 hit, the old stadium. I got the uh, big posters, you know, that stick on the wall. But uh, actually, I'm a Yankees fan. But no, 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 Frankie, Frankie, how did that happen? South Philadelphia, right? The Phillies were like a tradition there. How old are you, uh, Frankie? I'm 56, 56. 56. So I got like, uh, I got 12 years on you. But when I was growing up, Phillies had Johnny Callison in right field who had a gun. I mean, he had a, you didn't run on Johnny Callison. A great fielder, great hitter. They had Richie Ashburn in center field, great center fielder, eventually became a Met. They had a damn good team, the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, it started like in 78 with the Yankees. I used to go to the Phillies game 50 cents. Now, I was uh, I was probably about eight, nine years old. I used to walk to the stadium two blocks away. It used to cost me 50 cents to get in. But the Phillies back in, like, the 70s weren't too good at all. Uh, Dave Cash was there back then. You know, uh, you had uh, Allen. Dick and, Allen. Uh, oh, Dick Allen. He he hit monster shots. He was just a degenerate gambler. You never knew if he'd be at the track or if he'd be playing baseball. And then later on, yeah, you end up uh, with the one of the greatest baseball players of all time, Pete Rose, and it just it gave you that edge, and then you started winning championships. Well, that was like with Moses Malone. Uh, it took him to come here because they had Julius Serving and McGinnis. That's right. And uh, they and, couldn't and, win. And, and you, had, you had a world be free, world be free, who threw uh, yes. up those 50-foot shots. I went to junior high school with World B. Free. It was from Brownsville. Never ran, never will. Junior high school, right? The guy couldn't play basketball. First gym class, they throw him the basketball, and he shoots. And he hit the window. He hit the seats. He was a chucker. He was a chucker in junior high school. He obviously became very good. All-star at Canarsie High School. Goes on to some... uh, College of no consequence, I think, in Texas, and becomes a Philadelphia 76er and shoots moonshots, like, from 50 feet out. (laughs) And he was chucking. He would never pass. They would say, hey, Lloyd, pass. You got Julius here. You got Malone here. No, he would just shoot from 50 feet out. Oh, I hate it. Two other great shooters uh, to mention. Mo Cheeks. That's right, Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to, oh, man, you're taking me down memory lane now. What is the trivia answer, Frankie? Well, I believe because my sister lives in uh, Boynton Beach and my nephew works the polls, Val Demings, I asked, I called her up and I asked her who Marco uh, was at a debate this week. And I believe it's Val Demings. You couldn't be more hopelessly right. Okay. And Val Demings uh, gave him a good debate. Look, she a uh, police commissioner, as I said, in Orlando. She had been a police officer there, went on to win con- uh, congressional seats. Uh, it's neck and neck, the race. Uh, and uh, her husband had been the uh, police commissioner of Orange County, which incorporates uh, Orlando, 
So uh, she's got a good background. And, you know, law and order is a big issue, and uh, she's got cred when it comes to that. I don't see her winning now. I don't see her beating. No, but uh, I think uh, she's got a political future. I I sat with her for an hour and a half, and uh, we were going back and forth. Uh, We couldn't have been more in disagreement. Uh, but she would give some and then take some, give some and take some. So uh, you stay on the line, Frankie, because you're entitled to a Curtis Lee with Booby Prize here calling all the way from Philadelphia, although a New York Yankee fan tried and true. Please, Avery, uh, our telephone talent coordinator, make sure you hook him up. Make sure that information gets to that gold brick, that slacker, that deadbeat, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, who's the director of merch. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to uh, Lily, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lily. Hi, Curtis. I'm a fan of yours from way back. Oh, thank um, you. I, before I tell you about Tony Bennett that you would like, mm. uh, my when my children were young, we used to watch Rumpa Room. And I didn't realize that it was you. I knew your name. And then years later when they were talking about it, I said, that was Curtis Lever. You were the cutest little boy. That's right. I was a doobie, not a don't be for a yep. full week. Then, yep. Then I used to listen to your dad when he was on your show. I listened to your Aunt Mary about the seven radios she left on and that. <laughs> okay. That, that's now, right. Well, just uh, to, so I can enlighten the audience. Uh, my Aunt Mary, who every second word would be a curse word, so we had to consistently bleep her out. But <laughs> <That's me. laughs> I had her convinced in her basement apartment in Howard Beach that if she had seven radios on when I was doing mornings at that time, angels uh, in the morning, if you had seven radios on, I would get credit uh, in the ratings for seven people oh, listening. And she would keep them on all the time when I was on. And my cousin Joey, Joey the Cheech from Howard Beach, would say, we're going crazy. She's got seven radios on when you're on. We were on at that time from like uh, 6 to 10. Yeah. Could you, could you tell her just to listen on one? I said, no, Joey, how do you know I'm not getting credit for seven people listening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is funny. But I listened to you for years. I listen now on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sometimes the middle of the week. Good, good, good. Um, Okay, now we'll get to Tony Bennett. I have a book I read on Tony Bennett um, just getting started. It's something like his autobiography, and then he talks about the people that helped him for years and that. Then inside the book's covers, there's pictures that he drew of all these famous people, paintings rather. And I don't know if you would like it. It was... It was um, to 2019, it was published. Wow. So he did, his, is, he did his own art. Yeah, I thought he just did landscaping. I didn't know that he did, uh, you know, portraits and all that. Oh, he was quite the creative guy, yeah, quite the creative guy. I would like to mail it to you. The only thing is, I'm like, how would you say it, um, housebound. Like my, I have trouble with my, my knee bed. Mm, mm. But... Otherwise, I would love for you to have it. I think you would enjoy it, really. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Well, I tell you what, hold on the line, Lily. Okay. Um, and uh, if you can, uh, Avery, would you get the information from uh, Lily uh, so that I might end up getting that book for Tony Bennett? And then what we can do is, once I've read it, 
we can then uh, give it away as a booby prize. You see, uh, it might have my greasy thumbs on it, like Greasy Thumbs Gusick, who used to uh, do the books for Al Capone. And the reason that the uh, Treasury was able to bust him is he kept two sets of books, and they knew it was Greasy uh, uh, Gusick, Greasy Thumb Gusick, because he would eat those big Paul boys, those Polish sausages in Cicero, and he had his fingerprints on all the books. So they knew it was him cooking the books. And that's why Al Capone ended up going away to uh, first Atlanta Penitentiary. Boy, that's a bad place. And then they flipped the script and sent him to uh, Alcatraz, where he was diagnosed with syphilis. (laughs) As it ate away his brain, and then they released him. And he went, I think, to North Palm Beach or somewhere there, Singer Island. I'm not quite sure. And he basically vegetated away. Hmm. That reminds me, 24 hours, I'm going to have to do a special edition of Mob Talk about the geriatric espresso sipping psychotic killers of organized crime. Uh, I applauded earlier in this week the death, the demise of my enemy, Reverend Louis Giganti. Yeah, priest, I, I applauded his demise. He was a perv, too. But he was the front for Vinny the chin gigante of the Genovese crime family. Oh, we're going to get into that? And also what would have been the birthday of John Gotti Sr. That's right, today. Frank is probably dancing the Tarantella with Rachel right now. Oh, it would have been John Gotti Sr.'s birthday if he were alive today. You know, Frank Morano lies. He says that if given an opportunity... To have a meal with somebody, anybody, could be uh, somebody alive or dead. He'd want it to be with former President Teddy Roosevelt, first uh, police commissioner of the NYPD in New York, went on to become governor, uh, Navy secretary, and then president of the United States, vice president, then president. And he's proud of that, even though when they were hanging Italians in New Orleans. They hung 11, the largest lynching ever conducted in the United States, 11 Italians hung by the neck. The New York Times asked uh, President uh, Teddy Roosevelt, what did he think of that? He said, good, good that they hung those Italians, and God only knows what he called them then. And that's who Frank Morano said that he wants to have a dinner with, whether dead or alive. I disagree. I think he'd want to have a sit-down with John Gotti Sr., right? I mean, let's face it. He's all cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for John Gotti Jr., who's like a mentor to him, who's living out there in Oyster Oyster Cove where you need a reverse mortgage just to pay the taxes, and the guy pleads poverty. And then remember for a while there, In uh, all four trials against John Gotti Jr., who was charged with the attempted kidnap and killing of yours truly, he skated all four times except uh, uh, his shooter uh, ended up doing 20 years. uh, And the driver ended up copping a plea and giving testimony that was like bookends to what I was saying on the witness stand. But with Frank Morano, you know damn well he'd want to have a sit-down if you were alive with John Gotti Sr., no doubt about it. 
and not Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know why he says that, Teddy Roosevelt. What a, what a disgraziata. What a shanda. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. When we come back, Eric Adams doing more of the, um, oh, we gotta, we gotta tell you about this. Uh, this is something you're definitely gonna wanna see. We've got the new pivot and shift video that I did out in the streets of New York City, uh, emulating, uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, who always uses that as, and as an excuse when something doesn't work, he says, oh, we're gonna pivot and shift. You can watch the video now on 77 WABC's Twitter account at 77 WABC Radio. That is at 77 WABC Radio. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You know, later on, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly's on from 7 to 10. And he fashions himself like some kind of music impresario, which he's not. And he took some shots at me uh, during the week. And I will respond by spinning stacks of wax against the ones he chose, Broadway Bill Lee. And we will let our listeners decide who is the musical Empresario here at WABC. We know it ain't Frank Morano, that Mama Luke. His favorite songs are Rudy Valley, Brother Can You Spare a Dime? And <laughs> Mammy, Mammy. Oh yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that when I listen to the worst side of the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays from one to five. God, Mammy. You think that's a little played out? Of course. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. By the way, this is uh, almost like uh, what Eric Adams now says every time he is confronted with uh, subway crime. Either crime leading into the subway, crime on the platform, crime in the moving trains, crime in the foyers, crime near the token booth clerk. This is his stock answer. We have a safe subway system. Transit police officers, they have done their job. What we must do is remove the perception of fear. Cases like this aggravates the perception of fear. Uh, When you see homeless individuals with mental health issues not being attended to and given the proper services that add to the perception of fear, And so what our battle is in the subway system is fighting the perception of fear. How can somebody say perception so many times? You know, he really thinks we're stupid. He really thinks we don't know. He really thinks, like, what? We're the ones riding the subway, and you act like you're omnipotent, you're pretentious, and you know everything when you know nothing about nothing when it comes to crime in the subways. In fact, listen to him saying we should be celebrating the fact 
that there are six felonies a day, major felonies a day in our vast subway system. Yes, we must deal with the six felony crimes that happen on our subway every day. But we have to celebrate the 3.5 million people that ride that subway every day and get to their place of destination with no problems at all. <laughs> I don't see people celebrating when I go on the subway. If anything, they're looking around. Who's this? Who's that? They're on a platform, right? They're holding on to. They're holding on <laughs> to the center part of the station. Terrified. You see terror in their eyes. And so what is uh, Eric Adams, a swagger man with no plans, say? Check the analytics. Check the index crimes. Index crimes in the subway system right now, this year, 2022, are lower than 2019, 2018, 2017, in the last 10 years. You schmuck and putz. Before the lockdown and pandemic, Eric Adams, and you know better than that, five and a half million people on any given day would be riding the subways and buses in the city of New York. Now there's only three and a half million people. Why? Because predominantly women don't want to come and work in the office buildings. Is it because of COVID-19? No, the pandemic is over. The president said it's over. It's because of crime. The fear and the rea- reality. Look at nightlife. The mayor is constantly saying he is the mayor of nightlife. He's promoting nightlife. Well, if you're into guys, that's 10% of your nightlife. But if you're into women as a guy, that's 90% of what nightlife is. In fact, how many times, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, you notice the first 50 women get in, no cover charge, right? Because without the, the women in nightlife, you ain't going to get the guys. And they're gonna not going to be spending a lot of bucks. $400 for a bottle of champagne. Could I have somebody pour it, please? I want to impress this young lady. Come on. It's not young ladies going going out in the wee hours in the morning. They're not going to restaurants. They're not going to bars. I mean, how many Uber rides can you afford within one week? Many of them are staying home and watching reruns of Sex in the City while having a Swanson TV dinner. That ain't good for the city, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. So he's running his mouth about index crimes, but he's telling us the police officers are working and doing their jobs. Those officers are working. They're doing their job, and we're going to continue to the next level of dealing with issues like this. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they're doing their job. That's why the MTA money-taking agency has decided to hire private security officers to try to stop fare evasion. Uh, it has not been a success. These guys are bogarting the fare. They don't care. They know there are no consequences. But that's because Eric Adams, a swagger man, does not have the cops doing it, the transit police, and none of the DAs are prosecuting fare evasion, including that ambulance chaser out in Staten Island, McMahon, with 33% of the people riding buses on Highland Boulevard don't even pay their fare. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Curtis, you're the man, as usual. Um, I just wanted to comment on your uh, fantastic uh, Pivot and Shift video. I wish it would have been a little longer, though. Was there some type of... uh, 
production uh, problem on that? No, in fact, Michael, uh, it is a first uh, that has been put out by our social media team. I can assure you that these youngsters, the better they get, the longer the videos will be. But this was Stephanie uh, Bongiorno and Joe Malisi and Gina Limberopoulos' first uh, time working together doing a video out in the streets. So I can assure you it's going to get better over time, Michael. Yeah, I love the touch of you heading back towards the McDonald's sign. Was that planned or was that just coincidence? No, no, that was all planned. Uh, we took a lot of we took a lot of video uh, before they they chose the video to use, Michael. But that was all planned. They did an excellent job, and in fact, uh, under the category of short video, it has been nominated for a daytime Emmy Award. I would definitely agree on that. I'll vote. Well, I can't vote for it, but I would definitely uh, concur with that. Um, and, yeah, I, I think you guys, you have something going. I just think it needs to be a little longer. You know, it's very uh, – I, I, I loved it. It was great. No, that's but great. That was- uh, great construction, uh, cons- constructive criticism. Uh, for those of you who are wondering which video Michael is speaking about, all you got to do to watch the video of me in the streets of New York City doing the pivot and shift, imitating Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. You watch the video now on 77 WABC's Twitter account at 77 WABC Radio. That's the video that Michael was just referring to from Brooklyn. That is at 77 WABC Radio. Meantime, speaking of pivot and shift... Want you to hear the uh, the great uh, promo or pivot and shift on the buses that was done by the guy in charge of our imaging here, Chris Libertini. <laughs> what up, Mister Two One Two? Ladies and gentlemen, Joe, Joe, we can pivot and shift another way. <laughs> We're gonna pivot and shift based on the need. If these buses stop. We're going to shift, and we're going to pivot. We're going to shift, and we're going to pivot. We were hit with this, and what did did we do? We're going to pivot and shift. This administration will pivot and shift. (laughs) Well, that's perfect to what happened out on Linden Boulevard going towards Jamaica. I'm sure you saw that uh, telephone talent coordinator, Avery. A guy hijacked a city bus with a BB gun. He pulls out a BB gun. He puts it to the head of the bus driver, the Ralph Cramden. The uh, driver obviously freaks. He opens up the back doors and tells everybody to get out, those who were in the bus, and they, they fled for their lives. And then he kept driving. The uh, hostage taker told him, keep driving. Keep driving along Linden Boulevard. And he put the gun, the BB gun, right to the driver's head. Finally, the driver lets the bus run, and he dives out the window. You know, that little window next to the He dives right out of it. Sort of reminds me what I did back on June 19th in 1992. Speaking of the Gaudis and the Gambinos who tried to kill me, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, try again. Knock yourself out. Anyway, remember, I jumped out of the back of that cab through an open window in the front after getting shot five times with hollow-point bullets and ending up sucking the asphalt once I hit the ground. This guy jumps out of the bus. He's driving the bus. The guy's saying, I'm going to shoot you right in your head. I hate you, you mf 
and he's ready to pull the trigger. Bus driver doesn't know it's a BB gun. And so he's driving the bus at about 30 miles an hour. He dives out of the bus through, through the window, and then the bus crashes. And then they arrest this guy. And by the way, you know what he was wearing? A New York Yankee shirt. Normally in years past, whenever criminals would be caught and they'd be doing the perp walk, you know, the daisy chain perp walk, they'd normally be rocking an interlocking NNY New York Met cap or a New York Met shirt. This guy was wearing a Yankee shirt. Last time I saw somebody rocking an uh, interlocking NNY cap, it was a Yankee cap. It was in Libya. They had caught Muammar Gaddafi. And remember that Libyan put a 22 up his tuchus where the sun doesn't shine, pulled the trigger, and that was it for Muammar Gaddafi. Remember, he had been an enemy of ours during the Reagan years and a friend of ours during Bush 43, right after the uh, invasion of Iraq and Saddam Hussein, gave up all his nuclear weapons, sucker. And then all of a sudden when uh, he was dealing with uh, insurgents and threatened to kill them, it was Hillary Rodham Clinton, right, who was like, oh, like, warlike. And she said, we got to send in the F-14s, drop the napalm. The French send in their exorcists. The uh, Brits sent in their spitfires. And we had a war. And this was Barack Obama's, like, his first few months in office. He had already won the Nobel Peace Prize. For what? Who got? And he goes right to war against Muammar Gaddafi. And the place has been out of control ever since. And who was it who shot him up as Tuchus? It was a guy wearing a New York Yankee camp in in the sands of the deserts of Libya. A New York Yankee camp. Where did he get that in Libya? Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Leah calling from Newark. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Leah. Hi, I have a few things to say, Curtis. Uh, first of all, uh, the three songs dedicated to your esteemed mayor, I like Pivot and Shift the best. It's a catchy tune, and it's, you know, easy. Okay, second of all, last week, your cohort in crime, Anthony Weiner, made a number of comments on this program that I just wonder where he's coming from. He's going to send his, what, what is he, 11, 12 kid down into the subways because he claims that that's a part of New York life? And he claims that the uh, number of crimes is an exaggeration. Yeah, is no, no, no. The, uh, I, I must tell you, he told that first when he was contributing to the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion of our well, owner-operator. He did it on your program last week. Yeah, he did it. He doubled up when uh, on Left versus Right, which will be on in a few hours. In fact, Leah, I'm going to play this cut during that show. What specifically do you want to say to Anthony Weiner about uh, desiring to have his son, I think he's 10 or 11, ride the subways? Yeah, but adults are afraid to ride the subways. He's going to send his 11-year-old kid into the subways? That's crazy, right? Exactly. I'll make sure, Leah, that uh, we play that uh, today in just a few hours at 3 o'clock. Okay, and I have one more thing. Sure. I have one more thing. Uh, what's her name? Huma, Hama, Huma, whatever her name is. She's going to run for public office. What ticket is she going to run on? The Brotherhood? <laughs> you mean the Muslim Brotherhood ticket? <laughs> hey. 
You got it, babe. You got it. Now, Leah. You said it, not me, Curtis. Oftentimes, Leah, I have heard you, uh, as you have critiqued the Mameluke Frank Morano. Are there any other words of wisdom that you have for that uh, member of our JV squad here at WABC? Uh, I have several words, but I can't say them on public radio. <laughs> Great. No, sir. Great, Leah. I will definitely play your comments about how <laughs> Anthony Weiner could send his 10-year-old, 11-year-old son in the subway on his own to ride around. That's crazy. By the way, this is in okay, honor. Of- I have one. I have one more question. Oh, go ahead. How go ahead. Son going to, how is son going to be bar mitzvah? His mother isn't Jewish. Ah, uh, I guess that can be done. I'm not. You know, sure I can. Uh, I mean, I myself, I was at my uh, middle son's bar mitzvah. Carter, he recently was 13. His mother is Jewish. Obviously, I'm not. So I'm pretty sure he could get a bar mitzvah if his mother isn't Jewish. Well, well, you know, that's something uh, I'm going to have to consult uh, the Talmud on, the Torah on, and see if, in fact, that is the case. <laughs> but in your honor, Leah, I want to play the other edition. We have a pivot and shift dealing with uh, shelters, the National Guard, and Randall's Island, because we have all different varieties that Chris Libertini... Well, that I never heard. Oh, this one is good. This one is good. This is not a shelter issue. This is a humanitarian refugee migrant crisis, humanitarian crisis. And so we're going to pivot and shift as it needed. <laughs> pivot and shift. I do the boogaloo. I salsa. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. First you pivot, then you shift. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. The walls. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. This is not a shelter issue. First you pivot, then you shift. Pivot, 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 pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. What do you think, Leah? What do you think? What do you think, Leah? Thanks so much. Oh, well, yeah, you deserve it. You deserve that, Leah. Constant pivot and shift to find a the right solution to this humanitarian crisis. Now, usually I don't do this, but uh, I'm going to hit you all with a little preview of the remix. They can say what they want. Pivot and shift part two. When you get a question, what do you do? First you pivot, then you shift. First you pivot, then you shift. Hey. We're New Yorkers, and this is what we do. Don't try to script me. This is what we do. This is what we do. Oh, first you pivot, then you shift. This is what we do. This is what we do. We're going to have to continue to pivot and shift. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Oh, first you pivot, then you shift. (laughs) Oh, that's good. And then finally, there is uh, the tribute to his hangout, Zero Bond Club. It's a 24-hour city. When I go out... I am patronizing my restaurants, my hotels, my dishwashers, my cooks. I go visit this 24-hour city. This is not a 9-to-5 city. This is a city that never sleeps, so the mayor should not be taking a nap. My mayor wants to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. My mayor wants to party all the time, party all the time. My mayor wants to party all the 
time, party all the time, party all the time. My mayor wants to party all the time, party all the time. He parties all the time. Go to zero bond. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm a nightlife kind of mayor, so I got to stand for the product. Wow, these are all good. We're going to have to have a contest, pick out the best pivot and shift. Uh, of the many that Chris Libertine, in charge of our imaging, and his partner, who heads the deep state here at WABC, Chris Pavona, do. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Carol in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carol. Hi, Curtis. Pleasure to speak with you. Um, I just wanted to let you know, it doesn't matter what the father is vis-a-vis getting bar mitzvah. As long as the mother is Jewish, it's okay. Ah, but now in this case, uh, as uh, Leah brought up, uh, the mother of Anthony Weiner's son, the son that they share raising, uh, mm-hmm. is she is obviously not Jewish. She's Muslim. So can oh, he can he be bar mitzvahed? Boy, that's a big one. I mean, I have no idea, but just as far as I'm thinking, I'd say no. <laughs> I mean, unless they went some through some elaborate thing to change his denomination. Well, well, it's interesting because I'm sure the Reformed Jews look at it differently than the conservative Jews or the Orthodox or the Hasidic Jews. I think uh, I'll leave this question to Rabbi Joe Potashnik, who does religion on the line Sunday mornings uh, from uh, 6 to 7. I think that's a good idea. I listen to that show. They're quite good. Yes, yes, uh, that's... uh, uh, Rabbi Joe Potasnik, who uh, has been doing talk radio here at WABC ever since we uh, stopped spinning stacks of wax. Religion on the Line, it's actually the longest-running talk show on WABC since we went to talk. And uh, he's on with Pastor Bernard, who has that right. big tele-church right on the corner of Pennsylvania and Linden Boulevard, where I grew up which is not too far from uh, where Norman, uh, who was calling us, said he lives at like 105th and Avenue M. He's, he's within walking distance of that megachurch. Oh, that's cool. Yes, it well, is. No wonder they've lasted this long. They are quite enjoyable, and I've learned a lot. Yeah, no, no, Rabbi Joe has been the one consistent person. Uh, the uh, Christian participant has varied uh, every few years. It seems a different Christian oh. spokesperson is there. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But you you love that show, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, As that... a matter of fact, I make sure I'm up early enough. Because <laughs> on weekends I tend to sleep in, but I want I don't want to miss that one. Definitely. I'm I'm going to let Rabbi Joe know when I ask him that question. We got to we got to get the answer to that. Yeah, would you please? Because uh, quite frankly, I'd like to know. My my thought is no, without some kind of special training or something. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I, I will definitely ask uh, Rabbi Joe Potasnik on that, Carol. Thank you, Curtis. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Um, you're welcome. And all, all I can say to you is keep on keeping on. Keep on <laughs> keeping on. <laughs> Great, Carol. I was adopted by some lovely Curtis, Jews. <laughs> and you were bar mitzvah? Oh, yeah, yeah. Three times. The last time was a few months ago in Atlantic City. Yeah, but I thought you only got bar mitzvah once. You know, no, no, when no, you're no. 13 years old. No, 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 no. You misunderstood. What? It's once every 13 years. You know? 
you got to recharge the mitzvah. So you always keep your mitzvah kind of full. A capacity. Capacity. Uh, mitzvah. Capacity. Hmm. Hey, uh, telephone talent coordinator Avery, uh, who, which comedian is that again from Mount Vernon who's uh, on that HBO special with uh, the creator of Seinfeld? Which comedian is that? Come on. I know you know telephone talent coordinator Avery. He's withholding information from us, Broadway Bill Lee. J.B. Smooth. J.B. Smooth, that's right. Oh, he is smooth. There's no doubt about it. Now, do you think if J.B. Smooth had gone to that comedy club on McDougal Street, that those two guys would have rolled up on him, cold-cocked him like they did Chris Red, and steal his gold chain? Yeah, if he was wearing a chain, yes. It wouldn't have matter who it was. Man, can you imagine McDougal Street in the village? They're snatching chains and knocking people out. Red is small, but JB JB Smooth, yeah. If if if, it, if they wanted to the chain, they're taking that chain. Mm. Man, you know nightclubs. Yeah, it always used to happen. Uh, I remember what was it? Uh, Forty Oak, the club that just closed down in the Meatpacking District, used to be owned by Jay Z. Forty Forty. Forty Forty, right? Uh, just closed down. I remember uh, who was it? Uh, Stefan Marbury's cousin, Telefear who had gone to Lincoln High School himself, was a great uh, basketball player. I forget what college he went to. Or he might have went right into the pros. So he goes to Club 4040. He's outside. He's got about $40,000 of bling-bling on him. And the homies come up with guns ready to start blazing, and they stripped him of $40,000 of bling-bling. Telefair. I think I'm pronouncing it right. I think he went to the Boston Celtics. Uh, that was his first stop. And he never really lived up to his reputation that Stephon Marbury had had. Remember, Stephon Marbury came out of Lincoln High School, played with the Knicks, was knocking boots uh, with an intern, got himself into double trouble, and then ended up going to play basketball in Red China. And they got a statue in his honor outside of one of the stadiums there where he was the star. I think he still is. And I never forget the time I was at a dinner with uh, Congressman Peter King, his wife, uh, Vito Fisella, now the Brooklyn Borough, excuse me, Staten Island Borough President, and his wife. And you know who was sitting across from us? Stephon Marbury and some sister with an attitude. And we came, we almost came to blows. Congressman uh, Congressman Peter King said, come on, Curtis, you're not going to start up in the restaurant. I said, hell yes, I will. And Vito Fasella said, we got our wives here. I said, then tell them to close their eyes. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. So why are we playing Jerry Lee Lewis' Great Balls of Fire? 
About 48 hours ago, TMZ declared that Jerry Lee Lewis was dead. Then they had to apologize, only to uh, reprint the story 48 hours later. So I'm assuming Jerry Lee Lewis is dead. He's gone, right? Broadway Bill Lee, a very good friend of yours, Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, absolutely. You don't want to acknowledge it now, right? Now all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I didn't really know him that well. Of course you did. He would always come up to WCBS-FM. You know, always try to mooch, uh, mooch some uh, records being played, uh, especially in the latter part of his year. Years. But we've had some people fawning over Jerry Lee Lewis. I know in a few hours, uh, probably the Staten Island kid, Vinnie Madunio. No, no, no. The king of Staten Island is not Pete Davidson just because... Uh, he happened to have hooked up with Kim Kardashian, Baby Got Back. Remember, they broke up. He's not the king of Staten Island, and neither is Frank Morano, the Mama Luke. It is now Vinny Madugno, who you can hear on Saturdays from 5 to 6 before his uh, mentor, Cousin Brucey. And then so nice, they do it twice on Sundays, uh, 5 to 6, before Jersey Joe Piscopo. And the two-hour Frank Sinatra extra- extravaganza put on by Ramsey Monster. Really good stuff. And you might hear this song by Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire, on Vinny Madunio. I doubt it. But I'll bet you that Cousin Brucey, a.k.a. Bruce Morrow, will play it from 6 to 10 and probably tell stories about Jerry Lee Lewis and Tony Orlando without Dawn from 10 to 12. No doubt about it. He'll be talking about Jerry Lee Lewis as if this was an iconic figure of great repute. You couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. This guy was a total degenerate, Jerry Lee Lewis. And in fact, the guy who declares himself to be the music impresario of WABC, watch uh, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, wax uh, over... The loss of Jerry Lee Lewis. Of course, we're acknowledging the death of a rock and roll great today, Jerry Lee Lewis. Of course he was. And he stole, oh, Jerry Lee Lewis, great this, great that. Guy was a pedophile on a pedestal. How could you argue with this? How could you argue with this? At the height of his fame, he ends up rolling into Heathrow Airport in London before he's going to begin a tour of Europe, his first tour of Europe. There's only one journalist present who learned about Jerry Lee Lewis's third wife, Myra Gale Brown. She was Lewis's first cousin once removed. Okay, no biggie. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Kumbadici, a lot of Italians have married their first cousin. That's fine. But was 13 years old when they married. 13! That's jailbait. Though Lewis, who was 22 years old at the time, claimed she was actually 15. Wow, that made a big difference, right? The publicity caused an uproar, and the tour of Europe was canceled after only three concerts. Yeah, I would think it would be. And he didn't think there was anything wrong with that whatsoever. He was shocked that all of a sudden, venue after venue would say, we don't want to be uh, putting on the stage a pedophile on a pedestal. And plus, he was 22 years old. He had already been married three times. 
That's more times than I've been married when I was 22. In fact, by then I was only married once. Don't look at me like I'm uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire. Hell no, Broadway Bill Lee. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, but they've been waxing poetic over Jerry Lee Lewis all day. Let me give you another one on the crime blotter here. It was November 23rd in 1976. Jerry Lee Lewis was arrested outside of Elvis Presley's Graceland home. By the way, another pedophile on a pedestal. What was uh, Priscilla Presley? How old was she when he first started snacking on her, like 14? Uh, Because he intended to shoot Elvis Presley. Lewis almost killed his own bass player, Butch Owens, on September 29, 1976, Lewis's 41st birthday, when he fired a three fifty seven Magnum at him. In Rick Bragg's 2014 authorized biography, Jerry Lee Lewis, his own story, Lewis said that the reclusive Presley had been trying to reach him and finally did on November 23rd, imploring him to come out to the house. Lewis replied that he would if he had time, but that he was busy trying to get his father Elmo out of jail in uh, Memphis for driving under the influence. Later that night, Lewis was at a Memphis nightclub called The Vapors drinking champagne when he was given a gun. Lewis suddenly remembered that Elvis wanted to see him, and he climbed aboard his new Lincoln Continental with a loaded pistol on the dash and a bottle of champagne under his arm. He tore off for Graceland. Just before 3 o'clock in the morning, Lewis accidentally smashed into the famous Graceland Gates. Accidentally? He was drunk! Presley's astonished cousin, Harold Lloyd, was manning the gate and watched Jerry Lee Lewis attempt to hurl the champagne bottle out of the car window. But the Stuna de Gavon didn't realize the window was rolled up, smashing both... <laughs> He smashed himself in his own head. It bounced off the window and smacked him in the head. But he kept on. Meantime, Elvis was watching on closed-circuit television. He told the guards to call the Memphis police. The Memphis police found the gun in the car and put Jerry Lee Lewis protesting, hollering, threatening them away in handcuffs. The cops asked Elvis... What do you want us to do, Elvis? And Elvis told him, lock him up. And then all of a sudden, Jerry Lee Lewis, while in jail, said, that hurt my feelings. To be scared of me knowing me the way he did was ridiculous. Jerry Lee Lewis was then charged with carrying a pistol and public drunkenness. Released on a $250 bond, his defiant mugshot was wired around the world. Presley himself died at Graceland just nine months later. Two pedophiles on a pedestal, and the whole world went gaga Google for them. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Fred in Garfield, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Fred. Curtis, uh, forgive my voice, I got the COVID. Uh, I'm 86. Now, when I was 22, I was an MP in in, uh, Georgia, and I was on duty with my buddy, in Augusta, it was like a big carnival. And uh, we never heard of Jerry Lee Lewis. 
So I see a big sign, Jerry Lee Lewis in person now, blah, blah, blah. So I said to my buddy, I said, maybe it's Jerry Lewis uh, without Dean Martin tonight. Let's go see him. <laughs> so we, we paid a cheap fee. We go in, we sit down, all of a sudden we see this tall, skinny, crazy-looking guy, long hair, jump on the piano, playing it with his feet and his hands. I said, who the hell is this? I never heard of him. <laughs> we walked out. Then finally we found out, because we were from the north, we never heard of Jerry Lee Lewis. But that's a true story. Wow. And where was that again? Augusta, Georgia. Because I was based in Fort Gordon as an MP. And, uh, and we had duty in Augusta, you know, to watch the soldiers. They don't fight or anything, you know. And they respected us because we had the stick and the gun. Wow, and that's right where they play the Masters Golf Tournament each year. Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, and you know who was there one weekend? Uh, the president. Uh, what the hell was his name? The little old guy. The president, old... president of the United States? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget who he was. And the hotel, the Bonnet Hotel, was packed with hookers, and they were charging $7. <laughs> $7? Yeah. Now, was so... that for the military guys or the golfers? Anybody for for seven dollars, so my uh, I had seven. My friend only had five. Uh, he told the girl, he says, uh, "I only got five. He says, I bought a new belt for two dollars. You take the five and the belt." Okay, she says. And we with that went with that one, two, three. We did our thing, and then we then we went back to the uh, barracks. And little did you realize that you had been in a club where Jerry Lee Lewis was performing, playing the yeah. piano with his hands, his feet, his elbows, yeah. the whole nine yards. Yeah, and all through the years, every time I saw him, I remember that day. Now, how crowded was the club when he was performing? Oh, thousands of people, big, big tent, you know. From the north, we never seen anything like that, but the weather was good, you know. and It was... It was uh, peaceful it was interesting it was nice now because you were stationed in the south was it common then as was said that some of these southern guys would be uh, dating girls like uh, 13 or 14 uh, when they were like uh, in their early 20s or their latter teens yeah the rumor was that then even brothers and sisters you know would get together and so uh, we, we, those were the days when you had a white fountain and a colored fountain. It was a different world. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, I said uh, that it was the result of being three-eyed cousin fornicators in those trailer parks. Yeah. It got to you. Wow. Imagine that. You're watching Jerry Lee Lewis, and you have no idea that this guy is going to go on a world tour Number one rock and roller at that time, and then all of a sudden, because he had married, imagine he's 22, he had been married three times, and he married a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. God. You imagine, 13 years old, you know what you would say, Fred, back then? That's jailbait. Stay away, right? Of course. That was, your... that was up north, but down south, apparently, it's like, whoa, this is part of the culture. Get out of here, part of the culture. Man, I got to tell you something, Fred, from Garfield. You know, my sister lived there a while in Garfield. Yeah, what street? Uh, not sure. Uh, she lived in the Polish section. I know there's a Polish section, oh, Italian yeah. section. Yeah, it's four blocks from me. 
But now it's so much Hispanic. Yeah, Mexican. A lot of Mexicans there. Oh, a lot of Hispanic. And uh, every night in the summer they have a party. I don't know. The bugs don't bother those people. No. Uh, they stay up till 5 o'clock in the morning and have a good time. Easily, but, easily. And by the way, not not far from you is uh, the uh, the um, uh, convent for the Felician nuns. Oh, yeah, right. They're the teaching nuns. Oh, man, they are dedicated yeah. women. They are chaste. And they are That's probably some of the best teachers in the Roman Catholic faith. Curtis, if you ever have been out there now, across the street used to be Curtis Wright, where they made the airplanes for the war. Sure. You know what that is now? It looks like a bunch of giant cracker boxes. All huh. apartments, all people coming from New York. Wow. Oh, you look in there, and the, the fact they put a... A big white fence up the Shake Avenue, so as you drive in, you can't even see over it. But you look in there and you say, I wouldn't want to live there. Where the hell would, how far would I have to park from my apartment and speed bumps and all that stuff? Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. You've, you've given us uh, uh, travel on the time machine, Fred and Garfield. Our number is one 800 As he said, I got the COVID. 1-800-848-WABC. You realize that, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, the fact that you spoke to Fred from Garfield on the phone, you might be infected. Oh, yeah, person-to-person transmission on the phone. Oh, it's all dependent on what kind of phone he was using. Was he using an old house phone, a landline? Was he using a Samsung? Oh, definitely would be transmitted. A Motorola burner phone? You know, because who knows, maybe Fred has a gumada on the side every month. You know, you got to change the phone. Was he using a smartphone, an iPhone? Huh? T-Mobile, huh? AT&T, huh? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Up next, we got to talk about that other pedophile on a pedestal, Chuck Berry. Remember who uh, sang that song? Sweet little 16. You're going to learn a lot if you listen to Curtis. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. They're really rocking in Boston and Pittsburgh, PA. Deep in the heart of Texas and around the Frisco Bay. All over St. Louis and down in New Orleans. She just got to have about a half a million famed autographs. Her wallet filled with pictures. She gets them one by one. 
become so excited. Watch her look at her run for Oh, mommy, mommy. So 16. Right, 16, right? That's like jail right? Everybody getting all excited. Chuck Berry, father of rock and roll, not Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry. And I remember, uh, and I still can't understand this, uh, all of a sudden everybody loves Jerry Lee Lewis, a pedophile on a pedestal. Chuck Berry, a pedophile on a pedestal. Elvis Presley, a pedophile on a pedestal. But with Chuck Berry, I remember I was organizing the Guardian Angels in North St. Louis. Man, St. Louis got bad crime. And I was in the Vaughn Housing Projects at that time, which was right next to Pruitt-Igo. The worst of all the public housing projects that had been blown off the face of the map by President Richard Nixon, I think in the early 70s. This is before I got to St. Louis. And uh, he had a... uh, a charger in which he pushed it down and he blew up Pruitt-Igo. They had the explosives all around. In fact, uh, Leon Spinks came out of there. His brother came out of there, Michael Spinks. It was a bad project. And right next to it, Vaughn Housing Project. That stood up. I spent a winter there organizing Guardian Angels. And let me tell you, no heat, no hot water, all thugs. And from the window, I was in the top floor, I could see the Mississippi River, which was all muddy and ugly. And I'm saying, what happened to the Mississippi River? M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Remember when we would play one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, touch football in the streets. But it was the ugliest river. And it was like nothing that I had read about in Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn. It was like really depressing. But I survived that process and started the Guardian Angels in St. Louis, North St. Louis. Bad. But they had, like, shrines to Chuck Berry. He was, like, considered God. He could do no wrong. Back, he had his nightclub there. They had, like, uh, not a statue, but they had all kinds of, um, oh, Called gold emblazoned plaques in his honor. He was buried uh, in St. Louis. But man, this guy was a degenerate. I mean, and everybody going up now. He grew up in a middle class family. Folks in North St. Louis were telling me, "Oh no, 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 Chuck Berry. He grew up in a middle class family. His his family was doing quite well." And then all of a sudden, he decided when he went to high school. He hooked up with uh, four of his friends. They went over to St. Louis. They stole, they held up three stores at gunpoint, and then they carjacked a car on the way back. And Chuck Berry ended up doing like three years in reform school for that. It's like he wasn't raised in a criminal family. It was like the streets had this allure for him. And so he ended up doing time in a reform school. And then he got busted for three years. You know what for? He got charged with the Man Act. The same thing that Elliot Spitzer should have been charged with. But he was told if he segues out of being governor of the state of New York, no problem. He won't get hit with a charge of transporting prostitutes across state lines for the purpose of prostitution. 
Oh, no, 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 no. He decided to leave. And guess who became the governor? My husband-in-law, David Patterson, who is now the stepfather for Anthony Chester Sliwa, my oldest son. But anyway, Chuck Berry had transported a 14-year-old girl across state lines for the purpose of having intercourse with her, which he did. He did three years for that. He should have done more. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So you figure he gets out of jail for that. He's persona non grata. He's not going to be able to work wrong. He wrote the song Nadine and My Ding-A-Ling, and, man, it went solid gold. And his, uh, his method of operation is if he did a club, if he did a bar, if he did a theater, you had to pay him in cash. Cash money ruled the world. Before there was Wu-Tang Clan, 36 Chambers, he was saying to everyone, cash money rules the world. So he ended up doing four months in jail because he didn't pay his taxes on the cash. This guy was in and out of jail. You know, it reminds me of a time where Godfather of Soul, Soul Brother Number 1, James Brown, who was the mentor to Al Slim Shady Sharpton, he also believed that cash money rules the world. You had to pay James Brown. You had to pay his entourage, Maceo and the Mac. And little Al Slim Shady Sharpton, who was his opening act, believe it or not. Little boy, uh, Reverend uh, Wonder, they called him. And it had to be all in cash. So he's coming back from a gig in London. And he had $10,000 in a suitcase at Logan Airport in Boston. And the Treasury agent stopped him and seized the suitcase. So they didn't arrest him. He didn't do time. But they took the suitcase and said... No, 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 this is ill-gotten gain. You haven't paid taxes on it. So he goes, it's not my money. They said, well, why are you carrying a suitcase with money in it? He goes, that must be Maceo and the Max money. And so they took the suitcase from him, and instead of going to jail, he was out $10,000. What a slick Rick. Godfather of soul, soul brother number one, always doing a moonwalk before that other pedophile on a pedestal decided... Uh, to add that to his entourage of uh, performances, Michael Jackson. We'll get to that momentarily. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. He was also a beautician. He went to beauty school. He graduated with full documentation as a beautician, very similar to what happened in Brooklyn with Sammy the Bull Gramano, who graduated as a beautician after he came back from the Vietnam War after serving in the military, and he was a clairol color coordinator. He could actually max, match colors on 18th Avenue in Bensonhurst. And then in 1987, Chuck Berry assaulted a woman at the Gramercy Park Hotel He also got charged with having placed a video in the bathroom of the restaurant and bar that he owned in St. Louis. And this was disgusting. This is what I don't understand. He had a collection of videos where he was urinating on women and women were defecating on him. This guy was a freak. And yet he's the father of rock and roll. Now, knowing all of this, will... uh, the King of Staten Island, Vinny Madunia, will he play uh, Stacks of Wax of Chuck Berry? Of course he will. 
I oftentimes hear Cousin Boosie playing Chuck Berry ad nauseum, as does Tony Orlando without Dawn. It's a pedophile on a pedestal. Write this down, Broadway Bill Lee. I don't want to ever hear a song of Chuck Berry again. And I know he's had a few. Maybelline, Roll Over Beethoven, remember Johnny B. Good, Nadine, My Dingling. What the hell does My Dingling mean? Perf. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phyllis. Who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Phyllis. Thank you for taking my call, Curtis. I spoke to you last year several times. I agree 120% of what you're saying. But I just got to clear the record that that was said this morning with James Carter. man called up claiming to be from the military, and he was suggesting that we send over 101st Airborne to Russia. Now, he said, and it hasn't been used in anything since World War One and Two. What about Vietnam? I mean, you're telling me that the airborne wasn't used? My, my husband was 101st Airborne and 82nd from St. Bennington, Georgia. He trained. He was 20 years old. He did Asian Valley, got the Bronze Star. What is he talking about? He don't know his history. Yes, it was used in Vietnam and World War One and now, World War Two. Now, where did you I hear that, Phyllis? That. I heard it in James Carter's show today. Wow. It freaked me out totally. Because my husband is now deceased over three years. Oh. And I, I was riveting. Forget about it. I mean, he did it on Valley. He, he was in a bunker with 13 guys blew up except him. Wow. And you say the 101st wasn't used since World War One and Two. Mm. It's just that straight. Yeah, I'm going to have to straighten him out if you don't mind on that, Phyllis. Give him an I attitude. I don't mind at all. Uh, I appreciate get... you taking me call on this. I'm really. going to have to give him an attitudinal readjustment. It's great speaking to you. Well, I well and now what was the, what was the name of your Allen. what was the name of your husband, uh, Phyllis? Peter. Peter DiMartino. Peter DiMartino, and he served in which unit? 1967 to 69, and he was 101st Airborne. Well, this uh, song is in honor of your husband and his service to our country during the Vietnam War, uh, Phyllis. Thank you so much, Thanks.
Vietnam combat veterans suffer from what psychiatrists call post-traumatic stress disorder. Many vets complain of alienation, rage, or guilt. Some succumb to suicidal thoughts. Eight to ten years after coming home, almost 800,000 men are still fighting the Vietnam War. Great dance song, but a song with a lot of meaning by Paul Hardcastle. The average age of a man serving in Vietnam was 19. The average age in World War II, I believe, was 25 or 26. And as you just heard Paul Hardcastle say, and they were not received well when they came back home. Boy, that is a real stain on the history of America's psyche and the way we treated the Vietnam veterans. They didn't ask to serve. Many of them were drafted. Many of them believed that they were fighting in a war, yet they didn't quite understand it. With the Gulf of Tonkin resolution, it turned out to be fake. With LBJ hyping the war, getting even more young men involved from the time that uh, JFK had sent just ambassadors and then assassinated, tried, had executed, assassinated the leader of South Vietnam because he was trying to convert Buddhists into being Catholics, and they felt that would lead to an insurrection and revolution. So what did we do? We assassinated our ally through the CIA. What a hot mess. Whenever I pass those cemeteries, especially along Jamaica Avenue near Highland Boulevard, you see the single solitary slabs. How many of those men gave up their lives in Vietnam who were Christian? You can see by the crosses. Some who were Jewish, you can see by the Star of David. Some who were of other religions and no religion at all. And you say, was it worth it? You go to Vietnam now, it's a communist country, but it's we consider it an ally, believe it or not. They're at odds with Red China. Vietnam is an ally of ours, even though it's still a communist nation, but one that focuses on capitalism, both in Saigon in the south and in Ho Chi Minh City in the north. Wow. How times have changed. Our number is one 800 that was in dedication to uh, all those families who had lost uh, men who served in that Vietnam War or who were injured or came back with uh, many mental uh, health care problems as a result. But not taught. Not taught in the high schools. Uh, in conversations I've had with my three sons, Anthony, who's my oldest at 18, Carter, who's my middle son, 13, he's now going to high school. And uh, Hunter, my youngest son, who's 11, he's going to junior high school. I've asked him, uh, have you been taught civics? No. Have you been taught about government? No. Have you been taught about the Vietnam War? No. After a while, I begin to wonder, what have they been taught about? Uh, what will it be? CRT? Critical, critical race uh, theory? I hope not. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to uh, Mary, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mayor. Hi, Curtis. 
Yes, um, yes, Mary. <laughs> okay, um, I watched Pivot and Shift, and that that was wonderful. I really loved it, and you have a lot of grace. I didn't realize how gracefully you moved, and I noticed that you remind me very much in your looks and the way you carry yourself of James Cagney. Oh, uh, what a compliment that is, Mary. Oh, yeah, coming from me, that's quite a compliment. I can't even I can't even figure out quite why, because he was like three quarters Irish and a quarter Norwegian, and I know that you're you're Polish and and Italian, but you're in in your face and everything and in what you project, and you just kind of have uh, you have some of his charisma, I'd say. Well, probably a lot of it, but I figured out why it is that you carry yourself like Cagney, because I noticed, you know, when Cagney danced, he, whereas like Astaire and Kelly and everything, they were focused on their feet, his strength and his movement came from his upper body. And I think that, I think that's probably because he grew up on the Lower East Side and, you know, was, it was rough and uh, he was a street fighter. And in reading his, uh, and also a, a boxer at one time, and in reading his autobiography, he said he learned the importance of footwork from uh, from street fighting. That was, uh, and obviously he carried that over into his dancing. And so when he um, when he danced, I figured out all all of the power and everything was in his upper body because that's what you need to, I guess, throw a punch and everything. So his feet followed. So that's why he kind of had that floating effect. Oh, I admire him greatly. But I figure your upbringing and everything, I'm, I'm sure you you were a street fighter when you had to be. So you just carry that, uh, you just carry an aura of James Cagney, I guess, in the real life that you lived and in the real life he he grew up with. So. I just wanted to tell you that. No, no, that is indeed a compliment. Jimmy Cagney uh, oh, yeah. played some of the uh, toughest tough guy roles that the movie business has ever had. Although, yeah. I remember, do you remember the million-dollar movies that were on Channel 9? There's no doubt in our minds oh, that um, the stress he was feeling as a result of school closures, not being able to be that would play the same movie five nights uh, in a row every right every time around July 4th you would see James Cagney I'm oh. a Yankee Doodle Dandy Yankee Doodle Do or Die born on yeah. the 4th of July and he would be dancing and singing and what yeah. a, what a great dancer uh he, he was he was great he he was great, and that's the thing. He just seemed to float because he didn't worry about where his feet were going. His feet followed the the, the power in his upper body. It's just the way he was put together. And no, you're absolutely fell. right, and uh, that's why in the next hour I'm going to be taking it to Bo Snurdly, uh, a.k.a. <laughs> James Golden, who claims that I don't know how to dance. He figures out, oh, white guys can't dance. You know, I just watched it tonight when you talked about it, and I was surprised. You, you really are graceful. Oh, I got to really tell you, there was a there was grace. a time there was a time, Mary. I would go to nightclubs uh, after hours joints, which are very dangerous, but you can end up dancing till the break of dawn. 
And wow. uh, I was like a whirling dervish, a whirling dervish. Oh, wow. Well, I can I can see that. I, I'm just so thrilled because it's like, you know, kind of James Cagney came back. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, uh, for all of you who are wondering what Mary is referring to, it is the uh, pivot and shift video that we spent uh, uh, a day doing in the streets of Manhattan, imitating Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. We had a great crew out from our social media team, Stephanie Bongiorno, Joe Malisi, and Gina Limberopoulos. Uh, they put it all together, and you can watch it as Mary has watched it, and others will be watching it. You watch the video now on 77 WABC's Twitter account at 77 WABC Radio. That is at 77 WABC Radio. And judge for yourself if I'm light on my feet, Mary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you you definitely are. You have it. Well, thank you. you. Thank you for that compliment, Mary. Thank you. And I I think I, I, I think... For the life that you've been living and the way you you take care of people, and now you take care of animals, you and Nancy, and oh my God, I love that. But yeah, you weren't you weren't it. You're you're uh, you're entitled to be compared to Cagney for for that. Well, I tell you, uh, Mary, an amazing man. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy, Dandy Doodle, a die, born on the Fourth of July. Remember, who else was born on the 4th of July? George Steinbrenner was born on the 4th of July. And you had uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. I wonder if uh, James Cagney uh, was born on the 4th of July. I believe he was. And by the way, where did he end up uh, living after developing such a great career on Broadway and then eventually in movies? Where did he end up living and where did he end up dying? James Cagney. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But it is incredible that we are talking about Jerry Lee Lewis, dead at 86, pedophile on a pedestal, married, uh, third marriage at the age of 22. Can you imagine that? 13-year-old girl. Elvis Presley, you remember Priscilla, he met at 14, they try to sanitize over. Oh no, no! I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. I'm not gonna have any sex with you until you're 18. That was bull feathers. And then Chuck Berry, total degenerate, in all different ways, a real pedophile on a pedestal. And then up next, we're gonna be playing the song Thriller, which is almost synonymous uh, with Halloween, which will be taking place on Monday. And uh, featuring the biggest pedophile on a pedophile, uh, pedestal, Michael Jackson. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa.
a pedestal, Michael Jackson. But you still hear his music played on a regular basis, especially around Halloween on Monday. This Thriller song, the Thriller, what, trilogy we call it. And then, of course, R. Kelly, who's awaiting uh, being assigned to uh, Camp Fed somewhere in America. The ultimate uh, pedophile on a pedestal. And let's not forget, although he's not involved in music, Roman Polanski. Pedophile who fled, went to France where there was no extradition order and is living in Paris. And remember, they gave him a standing ovation at the Academy Awards ceremony. A standing ovation to a guy who fled a pedophile rap who was feeding quaaludes to underage girls. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Chrissy, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chrissy. Hi, Mr. Sliwa. Thank you for um, talking with me. I'm sorry, I just called because... Um, it seems that you were saying something like, um, like it's okay. I could be wrong, but it seems that people that you said something about like a Broadway Billy, and it seems to me, in my mind, that possibly people are call uh, not are excuse me. It seems to me possibly possibly people calling me that. But uh, Mr. Sliwa, I'm I, like I just really I just have to call to correct you. Like I'm sorry and, and correct them. I'm. I just thought you can't say that about me. It's not true in any way at all. Now, Chrissy, why do you think I'd be referring to you as a pedophile? No, I, uh, please, that's disgusting. I'm just saying that, uh, I, I mean, that's disgusting. Um, um, well, okay, but the thing is that, okay, because I thought, like, the reference to me calling me Billy and then because I was thinking of donating kidneys to somebody um like calling that a kid or something and then um the um broadway just because i walk all the time and i think people see me make fun of me or something i don't i don't know what they're doing but like basically like um or maybe people see me or something but anyway um i i just have to tell you like um i'm that's disgusting i'm i'm it's not true. Like whatever people saying, like it's not. I'm not. I'm not pervert. I never been. I've never been a pervert. Like, excuse me, I can't even say it. I can't even like. It's. I am not a pervert, and I never been. Like I know, I mean, but I don't mean but Chrissy, I'm uh, trying to figure out who is calling you a pervert. All I've said is, and this is fact, Jerry Lee Lewis. Well, you, excuse me. Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk so loud. It's just that um, you said something about Broadway Billy, and then like started and were and said something like that, like about pedophiles. And like I'm listening, and I'm like, wait a second, please don't be saying making reference of a broad Broadway Billy, which I thought possibly seemed to be something like in reference to me, and. Um, then um, now well, you said you said Broadway um, Broadway Billy is that what you said? Yeah, if somebody is calling me that, um, I just have to say I am not a pedophile and never been. Wow, and I don't you, mean uh, like so, never been. Like they wanted me to be like this misled or that people calling me like never never forget, don't eat my kidney. It's not that. I mean, I never been. And then uh, in reference to pedophile disgustingness, I never been that. So. You heard the term Broadway Billy, and you thought that was referring to you. 
Possibly, huh. it seems. And I just call, I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 but why? Why do you think Broadway Billy would refer to you? Are you involved in Broadway? No, because I think that it seems, I could be wrong now, but um, it seems somebody um, calling me like um, a Broadway girl. Mm. A Broadway girl. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to task... Avery, who is our telephone talent coordinator who took your call and positioned you so you could be heard on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, Chrissy, to actually, after the show, review what was said in this hour to make sure that you have not in any way, shape, or form been disparaged or made fun of. Is that is that a, a fair compromise? Listening to this program, you actually got a sense that what was being said was being directed partially at you, Chris. No, Miss. Oh, sorry, Mr. Slewa. I'm not saying it's your show doing anything wrong. I'm just saying, but if you, if the reference of okay, and I could be wrong. I mean, I'm just, I'm just picked, picking up things. Like I don't know that you called me Broadway Billy or that Broadway Billy is a direct reference to me or like a, like a reference to me. But I thought possibly. It could, it possibly, it could be in my brain, and so I thought, um, just in case, like, um, like, I, well, I could be wrong that you did, or that is a reference to me. Well, I see, really, that, like, 100% that's, could be wrong. That's but. why, that's why, because you know, I, I speak so fast and furiously that I am going to task Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, to review this whole hour. And no, Mr. Slee, well, please, I'm not going to sue you. I'm just saying, I just don't, I, I just have to clear my name. Like, if no, 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 you're right. You're right. But you're entitled to an apology if I actually said that. So that's. No, it's okay. Don't, you sure? I'm just, ni- it's just nice to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank oh, no, you. I, I appreciate Thank that, Chrissy. Thank but, you. Oh, sorry. Thank, Thank you. you for your niceness in the world. Thank you. Oh, sorry. I haven't done enough yet, Chrissy. I haven't done enough. But now I'm a bit troubled because if I did say this, it is really not right of me. Uh, I I have to make amends. So um, although Chrissy has departed, uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, you will have the task of listening to all six hours of this show to make sure that I have not disparaged Chrissy in any way Uh, even referring to her possibly as Broadway Barb. 
So you're not going to sleep, uh, Avery. You're going to have to listen to all six hours very intently. I don't want this burden to be on my soul. I mean, what happens if, God forbid, I walk outside and somebody finally gets their opportunity to shoot me between the eyes? I would end up uh, being room temperature without correcting what could have been a major indiscretion directed towards Broadway Billy or A.K.A. Chrissy. You understand the seriousness of this, Avery? This, this has to be expeditiously addressed. I will not stand a moment if we cannot correct this. I'm all over it, man. You got it. I think we may end up owing apology to Christy in New Jersey. I, I, I hope that's not the case. But if so, I will do it in 24 hours. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. and gentlemen, this hour is devoted to proving once and for all who is the musical impresario here who conflates music along with the talk that they conduct. Is it James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly? He uh, basically has uh, crowned himself as the person who best conflates music with his talk topic. I couldn't disagree more heartily, and I have the documentary evidence to take him on, as I have consistently in just uh, declaring that Sly and the Family Stone is a much better group than Earth, Wind, and Fire ever was. That's where this battle first began months ago. It is now extrapolated into other groups. So... Um, I have said to Bo Snurdly, knock off this uh, adulation, this idolatry that you have for foreign groups. Because I said, why not raise, like CNC Music Factory, this song, Here We Go, Let's Rock and Roll. This is a local. This came about locally. I remember I was asked to do an interview for Cable Access. Cable Access, that's right, over in Cliffside Park. And I went over there to do the interview with the host. 
And then they also had a performance by CNC Music Factory. I think they were from Jersey City, most of them. And David Cole, who was their leading performer, who unfortunately years later died of AIDS. But he was like a knockoff of Ice-T. He had the same look, same attitude. You know, he had chiseled features, great dancer. They were all great dancers, great performers. I had never seen anything like that on cable access before. And you knew that they were going to rise to unprecedented success in the world of music. And they certainly did. Well, James Golden, uh, in his uh, snarly way, has kept promoting Black Box, which consisted of some black performers, but it was an Italian group. It sort of reminded me of the Spaghetti Westerns that Marvin Hagler, eventually the great uh, middleweight fighter from Brockton, ended up doing. He could talk perfect Italian. You know, like before him, it was Clint Eastwood who did those Spaghetti Westerns. I want you to hear, though, how James Golden conflates his form of talk radio, Monday through Fridays from 4 to 5, before the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion of John Katsimatidis, and in just two hours, when he comes on for three hours and then somehow feels like, oh, he's the Liberace here of WABC. It's Friday. It's New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island, Pennsylvania. It's WABC Talk Radio 77. It's time. Time for you to strike it up as we head into another New York weekend. like to join us have your first cup of coffee with us set the alarm be there and remind me again this is the one dance song that who knows this is the one dance song that curtis lee would know that's right that's right wow you heard that broadway bill lee was that a diss or a dismiss or what black box claiming that's the only dance song that i know anything about i just played the cnc music factory here we go, let's uh, rock and roll. And by the way, local, whereas what did James Golden do? Pick an Italian group. That figures who traditor. What is it, America first, right? You're damn right, James Golden. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, out of those two selections, you had Black Fox chosen by James Golden, who insists that I had played this years ago when I did mornings with Ron Kuby, Strike It Up. Uh, he's making that up. He's absolutely making that up. It's his choice, not mine. I've chosen, here we go, let's rock and roll, CNC Music Factory with David Cole, who was a great performer, unfortunately passed away from AIDS years later, that I actually saw perform 
on a cable access program in Cliffside Park. You never see anything on cable access. You know, that's what Frank Murata was doing for years, right? Out in Staten Island, trying to make his bones. He never did. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to the calls and... uh, Let's go to Sankar, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sankar. Okay, Mr. Curtis, I'm the one to talk about Paul um, Pelosi. Um, he's 82 years old, correct? That is correct. Where is the housekeeper? Uh, these people, and they will have a housekeeper. If Pelosi's in Washington, he will have a housekeeper. Is it possible that he was sleeping? Most of these kind of rich people that sleep in boxer shorts. And he heard that door, and he thought it's Pelosi. And he went out there and saying, Pelosi? And that's why that man heard that he's saying Pelosi, because he think Pelosi came back home. And that's why that man think somebody else in that house, and he's saying, where is Pelosi? Where is Pelosi? Don't you think that makes sense? Wow, that and makes most of the time, don't you? T- most of the time, when those people, rich people, have those sliding doors, they do not lock it. And they just slide it closed, but they don't lock it. But he heard that door open, and he thought maybe she returned home, and he maybe just get out from the bed, run out there, and saying Pelosi, Pelosi, and that man heard. He said Pelosi, and he said. Where is Pelosi? Where is Pelosi? Because now he thinks she's home. Mm, that's very. Don't you think so? That's very plausible. Now, that yeah, because usually they have housekeepers. She, he's eighty-two years old. She would not leave him alone. That's true. Somebody to prepare his breakfast yes. if the children don't live with him. Yeah. Now but he heard that door. Question: The guy who attacked him with the hammer, how did he end up in his uh, shorts? Or maybe he's a story. He's he's one of those junkies. Don't they walk around like that most of the time? He's mental. Hmm. So uh, I think I think he heard that door and he just get up from his room thinking she returned home. Hmm. And he maybe yelled out Pelosi, Pelosi, and that's why that man saying Pelosi, Pelosi, and not like the other people thinking that he went there for Pelosi, like the politician and them. Yeah. But the husband maybe yelled out Pelosi, thinking she returned home. This? Don't you think something like that? But where is the housekeeper? They yeah. usually have living housekeepers. That's true. Where are the housekeeper? Mm. They was these eighty-two years old. They're not going to. She's not going to leave him alone. Mm. Who's going to prepare his meals? Mm. Sankar, she, you, yes. you, this is very, very plausible. So that. It was actually the 82-year-old Paul Pelosi who was thinking that his wife had returned unbeknownst to him. And that's why he was saying, Nancy, is that you, Nancy? Is Nancy here? Guy heard that, and he thought she's in the house, too. So Uh, this guy, he, the husband, is not alone. I see. Understand? So that's why he was asking, where was she? Hmm. Got it? You're the intelligent man. Come on. No, no. I, I yeah. def- and usually these people that have that sliding door, I know many, many rich people 
have those sliding door at the porch, they do not lock it. They just slide it open and they leave it like that. But where is the housekeeper? She would not leave him alone. Where is the housekeeper? And they usually have live-in housekeepers. Yes, yes, usually 24 that hours. Guy, that, yeah, that guy may be on high on drugs, and he forget to put on his clothes. They usually walk, look, there was one at a subway, if you can remember a few months ago. He was naked. He had on only his socks. Remember that he was down on the subway? Yes. Naked. Yeah, I remember only, that. And yeah, only, apparently the attacker lived in a storage unit. So he just get up and walked out. He maybe was sleepwalking too, high on drugs. Mm. And this happened, he slid that door. Who now knows, he, he maybe was watching now, that, that house. Now, Sanko, we've heard many different people give us their theories, but you're about the closest to it that I've yeah. heard from uh, in the last six hours. Yeah, he was sleeping. And because I know rich people, I live among rich people before mm. I moved to Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they sleep on the boxer shorts. And they usually drop the robe at the end of the bed. Uh. In case of emergency, they just put it on and walked out. But he think it's his wife, so he didn't have to put on the robe. Mm. That, so makes, that, makes a, that makes a yeah. lot of sense. Sandra. Yeah, he didn't have to put on because he maybe thinks she returned home. But it was careless on her part not to have one of the children, because she have five children, to stay with him. He's 82 years old. Mm, yes. And most of these rich people that have a couple drink because they have a bar uh, in the home. So about how many, how many drinks do you think maybe he had before he went to sleep? Well, maybe sometime before dinner, they just have a scotch, mm. and after they sit down with a glass of wine. Yeah. And sometimes they have a hot toddy, right? I don't know what's your hot, what's your hot toddy. Well, that's the whiskey, you know, and they warm yeah, that, it up. Yeah, that, that, that they have the, a, a drink of whiskey before dinner. Right. This way it allows them to properly digest and then. Yeah, exactly. And wow. then they walk Six around with the glass. That's the, that's the most that I've ever had in one sitting. And, and it always ends in disaster. Whenever you have six martinis, it's lights out. I mean, there, there, something's going seriously wrong there if I've had six martinis. There's going to be some story that is not necessarily going to put, portray me in a positive light if I've had six martinis. I've done that maybe five times in my life. Each time, total disaster. Total disaster. Wow. Sankar, how did you yeah. end up living with so many rich people in your life? Well, I lived in Montreal, Canada, and then I live in Garden City, Long Island. Oh, Garden City. You know who lived in Garden City? Greg Kelly and Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. I used to live there before I moved on to Brooklyn. Hmm. Now, you seem like uh, you moved to Brooklyn and then you no longer live with rich people. What happened? <laughs> I had to get away from rich people. <laughs> 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 well, it was too expensive to live up there. Uh, it was very expensive uh, like that. Now, where and where I were you uh, originally from? What is your country of origin, Sankar? I, we talk about, remember when the, the, the man in... Um, Texas killed those children, and I said, why it is the, the fire didn't, department didn't show up there. They had the tools to break down the door. Yes. And they went, I said those fire departments, some of them were bigger than the police officer. Yes. They had to protect the girl. Yes. I'm from Trinidad. Ah, uh, TNT, Trinidad. Yeah, yeah. Uh. And I want to talk about the little girl that just called. I think mm. she's having a little issues, problem. Well, what I've decided to do, Sankar, and Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, has agreed mm -hmm. 
he will listen to all, actually, four hours that preceded her call, Chrissy. And yeah. he will try to determine if, in fact, at any point yeah. I mentioned Broadway, Billy, and somehow disparaged her because she seemed very upset by that, Sankar. Yeah, but I think she have a problem. I think she needs somebody to notify somebody because she's thinking you call her Broadway Billy. But I think it's a guy that's working with you. You call him that. Oh. So I think she's referring like you calling her Broadway Billy. She's a little bit confused. Yeah, aren't we all confused? Because I'm surprised that she calls you. She sung like a young person. Mm. That's Why right. And we she... don't we don't really have young people calling here, do we, Shanka? Exactly. Yes. So I think she having a little problem because uh. she she was mumbling and talking different different. She didn't she couldn't relate to herself. So what what would you suggest that I do? Because we're going to discuss do you have, this. You, do you have a phone number on her bank? Could you uh, I, I, I think I think we can retrieve one. But in 24 hours, if in yeah. fact it's been yeah. proven that I did say Broadway Billy, I should apologize to her, shouldn't I? Yes, but she think you call her Broadway Billy and you're making fun of her. Uh, but she name is not Broadway Billy. She name is. Uh, Chrissy. You have Chrissy. 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 Right. So I think she's all mixed up. Mm. She's very mixed up. Mm. And she was very confused. She couldn't relate herself. She mumbles. So I'm thinking she, like, seemed to have a little health problem there. So, yeah. you say, so you're saying that she's just mixed up? Yeah, she's mixed up. But we got to help her. We got to we got to help her, Sankar. That's why I said if you had a return call. Yes. So you gave us you gave us a 30 minute detailed breakdown of the the Pelosi thing. And yeah. with, with this lady, you just say, well, she's just a little mixed up. Yeah. Where's the detail here? Which which one you're talking about? For Chrissy. She seems she's confused. She's didn't she told them. Um, Mr. Curtis called her Broadway Billy. Yeah, you have, but you had so many answers though for the other thing. Oh, which Pelosi? Yeah, you were like the CIA there. What? What? <laughs> what with well, this I, one, said, you... I said I've been listening to all the news, and of course the politician and them thinking it's like when some person went in ninety nine, you know, in January six, they were saying where is Pelosi? Where is Pelosi? Well, I'm just saying that you have my hopes up for the Chrissy evaluation. Yeah, and so it they, they, short. they're thinking, they twist it, the politician and the newspaper thinking the man went there specifically for Pelosi. No, 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 I but get I, all that. I, you, you, I'm, yeah. I'm saying you covered that. Yeah. You covered every grain of sand there. Right. Now, but, but, but what for, do you think? But for what Chrissy, do you think? Don't you think that makes sense? I'm just saying, but for the Chrissy thing, the caller, you just you mm -hmm. just said she got problems. Yeah, she got a little problem. Yeah, like she, that's kind of, she, that's vague, though. That's, I figured yeah, you would yeah, go into because, more detail. No, I think he called, he, um, Mr. Curtis always called you Broadway Billy, correct? No, 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 this is not him. This is Avery. Somebody, he always say Broadway Billy. He always Oh, yeah, Broadway him. Billy. Billy. Broadway Billy. Right, and she think it's her. Wow. And her name is Chrissy. So that she says she didn't want nobody to call her a pedophile. Mm. Remember she said that too? Yes, boy. I hadn't I hadn't even made the connection that yeah. every you time I say Broadway, Broadway Bill Lee, Lee, she's thinking I'm I'm speaking to her. So why was she listening to you? Mm.
And then she think about she don't want nobody to say that she's oh. a pedophile. Oh, see, did you hear that too? You slowed down. She, you slowed down your right. speech, and right. now it makes sense. Right. She said she don't want nobody to think she's a pedophile, and she begin to apologize. Yeah, and Shankar. why was she listening to the radio now? Why? Mm-hmm. Uh. We we uh, Shankar, we are going to resolve this in twenty four hours because. Uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, will be doing due diligence. Okay. Avery, don't you think somebody should be notified? Yes. Yeah. In fact, uh, we're going to take care of that, uh, Sankar. Lickety split. So, Avery, you have your marching orders. You got to listen to about four hours of all the nonsense that I've been talking about all night and somehow see if I in any way mention uh, Broadway... What was that, Billy? Man, I, I was expecting more from Sanka on the on the Chrissy thing. Like she went law and order on the the, the assault in the house, mm-hmm. but then you know she just said, "Well, she ain't quite right for Chrissy." Ah, uh, you and uh, Sanka were sort of tangling there like two scorpions in a brandy glass. You do realize that? What well, no, I mean, she went to so much detail for the other thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. The year was 1985. A few This song became the number one song in America. The artist, a very young, very beautiful, very talented. Let me tell you something. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, you're no Frankie Crocker doing the Quiet Storm on WBLS. He's trying. You know, I knew Frankie Crocker. Frankie Crocker came out of Buffalo, right? Rick James land, Buffalo. You know, don't even try, man. This is the White Storm here. The Caucasian Persuasion, the Snow Bro. This is my jam here. You came in with Whitney Houston. You figure, oh, Grammy Award winner. Oh, are you gonna, you're gonna just take over the audience. This didn't win a Grammy, but this 
reaches right down into the core of your soul. This would have done Frankie Crocker justice. The Quiet Storm on WBLS. You know, I should be doing that. Right? Not James Golden. But nothing. The year was 1985. On this day, Listen, James Golden. Learn something. Notice how James Golden trying to Best do a Frankie Crocker routine. Performance. Now, come on, Avery. Come on. Give us your professional opinion, having grown up your entire life listening to WBLS, the inner city broadcasting company, Percy Sutton. Our own Dominic Carter busted his shoes doing news for WBLS. That's how far back I go listening to WBLS. And, of course, at night. Nobody better than Frankie Crocker and the Quiet Storm. Come on. What is your evaluation, uh, Avery? Um, well, I like Whitney Houston singing better, but I like the song better. The music of your choice. That's right, James Golden. Renee and Angela. Two is always better than one. Yeah, that's groovy, man. Two is always better than one. See, James can only handle one. I can handle two. Think about that, huh? <laughs> now that's the quiet storm, right? When our lips keep words, move the earth and shake my world. This is kickback. He can't touch this. No matter how hard he tries, Avery, he can't conflate talk with music the way I do. He's trying to culturally appropriate what I do because his complexion is his protection. That's why I call my version... Not the quiet storm, the white storm. Yeah. Hey, I changed my mind. I'm switching all the way over to this. Totally, man. Totally, I'm all the way over. Whitney was a little, a little too up. You know what 
what I mean? A little too up. A little too poppy, a little too kitty. Yeah, yeah. But this, it's like there's a flow here. It's like, this is baby making music yeah. here. Yeah. I had a lapse. That's uh, right. I messed up. That's right. You found the brother's With the white score. WBLS. Inner City Broadcasting featuring Curtis Sliwa and not James Golden, the wannabe Frankie Crocker. Oh, so good. Let's go back to the phone. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. You can't touch this, James Golden. On his best day. See when the amateurs come out, Broadway Billy, they don't know what they're dealing with, do they, Broadway Billy? They don't know what they're dealing with. I told you, homeboy, you can't touch this. Can't touch this, James Golden. Can't touch this. Look at my eyes, man. You can't touch this. Yo, let me bust the funky lyrics. Uh, all right. The year was 1985. Yeah, yeah. You keep living in 1985. God, he goes for all the hits, right? Whitney. Oh, he figures. Oh, Whitney Houston, right? All the. Oh, it doesn't get better than that, right? Yeah, he tried to Whitney you. Right. <laughs> it don't work. It don't work. And I got a massive collection of vinyl here, all in my milk crates. He can't even approach this. And he's trying to be like Frankie Crocker with that voice. It don't work. Yeah. He got me in the beginning. I apologize. No, for that's that. true. Because I apologize for that. He's a brother. He witted me. <laughs> he witted you. <laughs> but, you know, he's a brother. It's brother to brother. I understand. Look, WBLS should be for black people, not white people. Yeah, this is before she got grown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> man, he can't touch this, man. Anyway, let's go to the phones if we can to Christine, who I believe is calling. Is that from Fayetteville, Christine? Curtis? Yes, Christine. Yes. Now, Dolan's pills. You told me in May to do that. I had them in the cabinet. I did it. How was it? Because you said you're not going to take all that psychotropic things. I didn't do it. I took the dome pills. They expired like years ago, but I don't go by the expiration date. Good. I didn't get to go. Thank you. I didn't get to go where I was supposed to go, but I knew I wasn't supposed to be there because I had like this thing and the sink downstairs. It was all like water all over the place from the stop sink lead into the hallway. And I said, okay, how am I going to do this? Do you do do? MC Hammer. Just what think. What the hell are you talking about? MC Hammer. You can't touch this. Yes, exactly. Oh my God, you got it. Yep. Now, can I ask a question? I don't know about this. I'm younger than you, but 
Chuck Barry was a pedophile on the pedestal? Yes. Oh, my. I didn't know it. Oh, my God. They never talk about it. Yeah. But I heard about the, the other one that just passed away. Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire. Yes. He married his cousin. First cousin. 13. 13. Okay. I heard about that. Mm. Chuck Barry, I never knew about that. Oh my he transported, God. he transported a 14-year-old girl across state lines to violated the Man Act to have sex with a 14-year-old, which he did. He did three years in jail. He came out, didn't even yeah. affect his career. Didn't even affect his career. Yeah, but, okay. That was like kind of creepy. Was that the 60s, 70s? I don't know. No, that's uh, the late 50s into the early 60s. Uh, it was a much okay. more prudish time. You would have thought there would have been ramifications. There wasn't. The yeah. pedophile on a pedestal went back on tour. <gasps> I, I didn't know that. Well, I'm not going to tell to my family. Oh, my God, but nobody listens to me. <laughs> I ain't thinking my heart. Are you kidding me here? Hey, I heard it first on your show. That's right. Wow. You see, no, we don't, don't we, mean wow we, that Christine, way. We, don't, we don't hold back. We let you know everything. You know, there'll be other times uh, this uh, weekend, a lot of entertainment. They'll be playing uh, Chuck Berry. They'll be playing uh, Jerry Lee what? Lewis, Great Balls of Fire. They'll probably be playing, uh, you know, Michael Jackson leading into Halloween oh Thriller. No, that was uh, done. That's where I got the thing from you. Hmm. Nobody understood what Nobody. I was talking about. No, I did. I did. You, I said it. We're at a Fourth of July party. I think that thing that Michael Jackson passed away. I think in June because we're at the Fourth of July party, and I said that's a pedophile on a pedestal. Yes, you did. I remember that. Did he pass away in June? Mm. I think that mm. creep. Nobody believes I. I know about these. Oh. Yeah. What do you think? You're you're right on that precipice. I mean, here is a guy grew up in Gary, Indiana, the youngest brother, and then all yeah. of a sudden uh, he became the most famous of all the Jackson Five and his sisters, yeah. his two sisters. And then he was out of control when it came to the little boys, you know, Jesus juice, all that nonsense. And people yeah. just made excuses for him. The Bo Snurdleys of the world, they only listened to the music. They didn't, they didn't judge him by the lack of character that he had by preying on young people. And I found out about that. But then they took it off the air, like on the radio. Fake news on the radio. Mm. The only reason why I know about that thing mm. was because it came on the radio, not by the fake news. It was somebody on the radio, a radio host like you. I don't know if it was you, but when I told my family this, because I flipped, Curtis, are you paying attention? Absolutely, Christine, to every word you're saying. All right. And that's Vincent Price actually on that tape. Yes. Wow. You picked that out. Oh, yeah. 
Wow, that is really good of you. That is coaching of you, Christine. I'm coaching? Yeah. Most... Does that mean I'm popular? Yes, not only popular, but that you have a great ear for the music. Oh, no, you don't have a... I know Vincent yeah. Price. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I never met him, but God Almighty. Yeah, but you hey, didn't have to meet him to know him, to know him, right? That voice would reach right down in your soul. It would grip you. That voice of oh, Vincent actually, Price was precious. Do I can't believe you said that. This nope. is the movie, The Fly. He's getting older. People are making fun of him. Ew, why are you watching this thing, this movie? I said, because if you really watch it and think with your mind, this could happen to us. Yes. In the future. Can. The Fly... And when he's going back in time and his wife had to kill him with the thing coming down, I said, I don't want to think about it. But, hey, I love these creepy movies. Godzilla, Twilight Zone, especially. What do you think? Especially, especially around this time of year in October as there will be all kinds of Halloween celebrations the Halloween parade through Greenwich Village, and then the Holly, Halloween uh, parties that will be taking place all day Monday into the wee hours of the morning, Christine. I won't be there. I will be here. <laughs> and if you could be there, what costume would you wear, Christine? Okay. Eek. I have two choices. I have two of one. What would they be? All right. I would be the witch. Oh, the wicked witch of the West or the wicked witch of the East? No, 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 no. Witch Christine. Witch Christine. It's cool. Mm. But Mm. then after that, we had parties over here. Mm. After that, the devil. I did both. Satan? What? Satan? Excuse me. You dressed up as... Satan. I did the devil thing. I made up my own costume with the ears and everything. Well, I bought the ears plastic. You know, I did it. I used to have these Halloween parties at my house. Only family invited, like, you know... I don't have to be friends. And you see, as we approach Halloween, you will get somebody like uh, Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. James Golden, who will play Michael Jackson over and over, even though he accuses some out there of grooming children, right? And leading them on a one-way trip to Palookieville. Palookieville. Ah! Right? He'll play this music. Won't think twice about it. But I always play it with a warning that MJ... Not Michael Jordan, but Michael Jackson is a pedophile on a pedestal. And rot inside a corpse's shell. And when terrible Hurricane Ian 
smashed into Southwest Florida. Who is the only talk show host that was concerned about Bubbles, the chimp? Right? Only I asked, where was the chimpanzee who used to be the best friend of Michael Jackson? Bubbles. And we tracked him down. In that sanctuary in southwest Florida, he's okay. He's okay. All of you should know he's okay. To stay alive, your body starts to shiver. For no mortal can resist the evil of You can't the touch this most nerdly. <laughs> That's what I say to you, Bo Snurdy, James Golden, and your whole crew. <laughs> he knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Say you wouldn't hear this Bobby Freeman classic. Come on and swim. 1964. Yeah. See, this is how you conflate music with a subject, Broadway Bill Lee. Because that's what I do. Curtis Lee were here at WABC. And you know what this song is leading us into? John Fetterman's wife claiming that swimming in America is very racist. Oh, yeah. As if, as if Fetterman doesn't have enough problems. His wife, Giselle, on a podcast claimed that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention claimed that more blacks tend to drown than whites in swimming pools. Now... She said that's because they don't have access to swimming. And I'm saying to myself, hold on. Wasn't it President Joe Biden who told us that in order to understand the black experience, he became a lifeguard at an inner city pool in Wilmington, remember? And all the black children would come up to him as he was sitting in his lifeguard's chair because they wanted to stroke the hair on his legs. And then remember how he talked about how he had that face-off with popcorn? Remember the black gang leader who came at him with a chain in his hand? How could you not forget that? So we conflated in many different ways. So the question would be, James Golden, who went to uh, Jackson High School, where there was only one white boy... And James acknowledged that uh, he was a nerd, he himself. 
And he was an Urkel type, you know, interested in music. But I wonder if he went to uh, Rockaway, the Irish Riviera, I doubt it. I wonder if uh, James Golden went to Coney Island, I doubt it, or Manhattan Beach or Brighton Beach or Orchard Beach in the Bronx, I doubt it. Urkel wouldn't have gone to a beach, but see, that's the kind of question that you ask of a Euro-Asiatic black man like James Golden. Is that, is what John Fetterman's wife Giselle saying true, that swimming in America is very racist, as she likened her husband's use of closed captioning to turning up the brightness on a smartphone? Quote, she said. Historically, swimming in America is very racist, and usually when you look at drowning stats, it usually affects children of color because of a lack of access. That wasn't true, though, in Wilmington, Delaware, when then Joe Biden wanted to learn more about the black experience. Remember, he became the only white lifeguard at the all-black pool in downtown Wilmington that had popcorn as its gang leader. You remember that? How could you forget that? Do you think Cousin Brucey would play play Bobby Freeman, uh, Come On and Swim, 1964 classic? Of course not. Do you think Tony Orlando, Without Dawn, coming up from 10 to 12, would play this classic? Of course not. And especially not the uh, king of Staten Island. That's right, uh, Vinnie Madunio, who teaches by day at Port Richmond High School, entertains at night, and then hosts five to six Saturdays, and then five to six on Sundays. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Oh, 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 oh. Ah. Let's go to the uh, calls. And Henry, who's calling in from New Jersey, your turn to be heard. He had WABC, Henry. Yes, good morning, Curtis. Um, I'd like to just um, comment on a few of your uh, aspersions that you've cast against some of these people. Um, I read Chuck Berry's biography. I did some research on it. He did have sex with underage kids, and he did also have sex with overage children, overage women. And he was put in jail for three years, and he did his time, and that was that. Now, you constantly disparage anybody in show business that has any kind of success. I don't know if it's out of a sense of insecurity on your part or you're just trying to be provocative, which I understand. That's part of your gig as a talk show host, but you're not a disc jockey. You may know your music that you like, but James Goldman knows what people like because he was a program director and you, you couldn't even program a shoelace. I hate to be so critical because I like you, Curtis. I really think you're a funny guy. But you're way too critical of people who are either more talented than you, wider ranging, a wider range of knowledge of subjects, or I don't know. You just seem to have a bug up your butt all the time. And I think it's this. I think it it, it discourages me from listening to you because I think you're a very smart guy. I mean, Brooklyn Prep doesn't take just anybody. I know they they booted you out, but uh, you know, you're a good guy. I mean, you did that thing with the, with the Guardian Angels. And I think that was wonderful. You did to talk that all on yourself. But um, sometimes I think you go, go a little bit overboard on taking on people. And because you, you, 
Go ahead. No, 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 no. That was just ringing the bell. That means continue. Oh, okay. Well, because, like I say, I like you. I like the way you, you know, you were, you held, you know, Bob Grant in great esteem because he was an interesting fellow. But he kept getting raw. He kept getting too abrasive. And when he started keep calling David Dinkins a Washington attendant, that was the end of his career, more or less. You just can't disparage. And then when you had a when James when you disparaged James Conn you had to go on a mea culpa tour. You were you 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 know that soured you on on that station forever. I mean, words have meaning and words have consequences. And I think sometimes if you were just a little more circumspect. You'd be a better host and a better DJ and a better uh, person. I mean, you're a great dad. Your kids are great. I mean, you finally found the right gal with Nancy, and I love what you're doing with these animals. But you got to be stop being so caustic. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't improve your image, which I know you don't give a rat's rear end about. But I think your kids would be a little less. I don't know. I think your children are wonderful. No, no, I, I, I completely understand, Henry, but you cannot obfuscate this. You cannot prevent what is happening here. It's the battle of the DJs. Remember, you had Nas and you had Jay-Z, right? That was considered as big as it could ever get. Now you have... The Caucasian Persuasion, Curtis Sliwa, my form of the White Storm versus the wannabe Frankie Crocker. I know Frankie Crocker. You're no Frankie Crocker, James Golden. You're no Frankie Crocker of the Quiet Storm. If there's anyone that can resuscitate that, who can conflate the talk subject with music, it's yours truly, me. Defer to me, James. Defer to me. Ah, up next, the best of Sid Rosenberg this past week. Uh, we had a great gathering at St. Patrick's Cathedral to give our colleague Bernard McGurk a final send-off. It was celebratory, uh, 24 hours. I think I'll revive that for those of you who couldn't be there on Wednesday or couldn't watch it on the video. I'll uh, play portions of the commemorations that were being done to our great friend and colleague, Bernard McGurk. This very studio that I'm broadcasting from has been renamed the Bernard McGurk Studio for All. Of time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.